Audio Jungle. Tonight, the Northeast digging out from the blizzard of 2022. More than two and a half feet of snow in some areas. Houses today completely frozen. Streets that were flooded by the storm turning to ice. Tens of thousands without power, just as temperatures plummet. And the record lows go as far south as Florida, where frozen iguanas are falling from trees. He fell right out the tree. And now he's trying to warm up. A steep decline in COVID cases nationwide, dropping by nearly half in some major cities this past week alone. The former CDC director saying it's the most optimistic he's felt in years. I do think that we're heading into a much better time. The Supreme Court shortlist getting longer. The White House said to be considering more than a dozen women for the highest court, as former President Trump suggests he'll pardon the January 6th defendants if he's reelected. Spotify CEO speaking out how the company plans to combat COVID misinformation amid growing pressure from the stars it works with to pull Joe Rogan off the platform. Dr. Johnny Fever signs off. We remember the actor Howard Hesseman from WKRP in Cincinnati. This is NBC Nightly News with Kate Snow. Good evening. It is a frozen landscape across nine states tonight. At least a foot of snow fell from Maryland to Maine. Just look at what they woke up to this morning in Brant Rock, Massachusetts, south of Boston. Those ice-encrusted homes after blowing snow and winds over 50 miles an hour. The biggest snow total this weekend was also in Massachusetts, more than 30 inches in Stoughton, almost that much on New York's Long Island and part Parts of the Jersey Shore. At least four people were killed by this storm. And up and down the East Coast, frigid temperatures, 10 to 15 degrees below average. Even parts of Florida were below freezing. Kathy Park starts us off from Boston. Tonight, millions in the Northeast digging out from a dangerous blast of winter weather. Blizzard conditions stretch from the mid-Atlantic to Maine and buried parts of Massachusetts with more than two feet of snow. It's pretty bad. It's um, not too heavy, but it's a lot. Boston tying a record for the highest snow total in one day with 23.6 inches. Powerful winds and high waves flooded coastal towns, knocking out power and heat to tens of thousands. Just as temperatures dropped 10 to 20 degrees below average, this was Nantucket Saturday, underwater. And today? This is Jason Grazia Day with Nantucket Current. Uh, most of those floodwaters have receded from the streets. There's still some that are iced over and flooded. And after a beating from giant waves, a layer of ice coated these homes along the shore. The snow didn't let up in New York. Paralyzing travel, tractor trailers overturned. Long Island hit especially hard. 
Officials confirming an elderly man died after falling into an icy pool as he was shoveling snow. As the Arctic air settles in, the Sunshine State is shivering too. This morning, Tallahassee reached just 19 degrees, the first time in a decade. And Floridians are trying to warm up with extra layers. And with lows in the 20s, a rare sight for locals, frozen iguanas. He fell right out the tree, and now he's trying to warm up. Luckily, warmer temperatures are on the way, and the reptiles will spring back to life. And Kathy joins us live from Boston. Now, how's the cleanup going up there? Well, Kate, as you can see, a lot of the roads here in Boston are clear and passable, but by tomorrow morning, some drivers may have a tough time getting to their buried cars, and with temperatures plunging into the single digits overnight, a lot of the snow might freeze over. Kate? All right, Kathy, I can hear the cold in your mouth. Thank you so much. Now to some encouraging, perhaps even very encouraging news about COVID. Nationwide, cases are dropping down by a third in the past two weeks. And look at this. In two of the cities hit first by Omicron, New York City and Washington, D.C., you can see how quickly the numbers spiked and how quickly they dropped in the past few weeks. And that is making a huge difference for some hospitals that that were up until very recently overwhelmed. Blaine Alexander has more. At the Cleveland Clinic ICU, the load was crushing. As one bed emptied, there was another patient right there to fill it. The National Guard and Air Force called in to help. Now, a different story. Across Cleveland Clinic's Ohio hospitals, the number of COVID patients has dropped from 1,200 to 393 in less than a month. It's a significant relief right now. Starting next week, elective procedures are back. The National Guard has moved out. Overall, doctor, do you think the worst is now behind you? I think so. I hope so. I hope we don't see another variant. Um, so, and we'll remain optimistic. It's a reflection of the encouraging numbers nationwide, a drop in new cases and hospitalizations down nearly 14%. But deaths, which lag behind, continue to rise in some places, with 31 states seeing an increase over the past 14 days. The numbers tell us that we are likely looking at the rear view of the worst part of the surge. Still to be determined is, do we see another rebound with an increase in cases? It comes as some places are dropping masks and restrictions. In Denver, the city's indoor mask mandate is set to expire this week. And in Orange County, Florida, the nation's ninth largest school district says, starting this week, COVID concerns can no longer be used as an excuse for missing school. Tonight, experts are still cautious, but encouraged. I'm more optimistic today than I have been at any point since the pandemic emerged. We have better tools, better defenses, better information, and better ability to make sure that COVID doesn't dominate our lives. We have the best chance to get and keep the upper hand against this virus. And Blaine joins us now from the CDC. So, Blaine, there is this good news overall, but some parts of the country still seeing cases rise. 
Yeah, Kate, that's right. In fact, 20 states have seen some sort of an increase over the past 14 days, mostly states out west, with Montana being the highest at an 86% increase. Kate. All right, Blaine Alexander, thank you. The list of possible contenders for President Biden's Supreme Court pick is growing longer. The president has vowed to choose a black woman to fill Justice, Justice Stephen Breyer's seat. And today, at least one Republican signaled support for one judge in contention. Josh Letterman is at the White House. Tonight, the Supreme Court guessing game in high gear. Who will President Biden pick to fulfill his historic pledge? It's long overdue in my view. And will any Republicans back her? One Republican opening the door to getting his vote, lavishing praise on one of the president's candidates. I can't think of a better person uh, for uh, President Biden to consider for the Supreme Court than Michelle Childs. She's a federal judge in South Carolina, already nominated for the D.C. Appeals Court. But Mr. Biden is casting a wide net. A source telling NBC News tonight his list of candidates has grown to more than a dozen. Democrats looking to move quickly, but not so quickly that Republicans can say it was rushed. It's going to be fair. It's going to be deliberate. But a new ABC News Ipsos poll finds three in four Americans want the president to consider all options, not just black women. Some Republicans now questioning Mr. Biden's race and gender litmus test. It adds to the further perception that the court is a political institution. Collins and Graham among three Republicans who voted previously for another candidate on Mr. Biden's list. Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson confirmed last year to the D.C. Circuit. Those Republicans now the focus of Democrats' hopes that the vote to confirm the court's first black woman will be bipartisan. I don't see Michelle Childs as an act of affirmative action. I do see putting a black woman on the court, making the court more like America. And Josh is with us. So former President Trump held a rally in Texas last night and he made some news there. That's right. He told supporters that if he runs for president again and wins, Mr. Trump might give pardons to those who were criminally charged in the January 6th attacks. The former president insisting that the protesters are being treated unfairly. Kate. All right. Thank you, Josh. We have some breaking news about the audio streaming service Spotify. Late today, the company's CEO spoke out about how they will address COVID misinformation on their platform. Spotify is under fire for hosting the controversial Joe Rogan podcast. Some major stars even pulling their music. Guad Venegas has late details. Tonight, the pressure building on Spotify, their CEO now speaking out. It is important to me that we don't take on the position of being content censor while also making sure that there are rules in place and consequences for those who violate them. For days now, music artists have been ramping up pressure, accusing the technology giant of giving a large platform to Joe Rogan, who often has guests on his podcast who question accepted COVID science. Rogan's has gotten in trouble many, many times before they tend to blow over. Music legend Neil Young protesting the podcast and asking for his music to be pulled from Spotify. Joni Mitchell threatening to do the same. 
Today, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle joining the list of celebrities calling on Spotify to address COVID misinformation. The couple has an exclusive multi-year podcast deal with the company. Spotify says they are working in part to add content advisory to any podcast episode that includes a discussion about COVID-19, in addition to an information hub with verified data-driven facts about the virus. So it's trying to walk this very fine line where it wants to communicate that it's taking misinformation seriously and that it's going to create a platform that is, is safe for people, but it's not going to punish its biggest star. Spotify now waiting to see if the actions taken will be enough. Guad Venegas, NBC News. Still ahead tonight, the extreme measures in Beijing to keep the Olympic Games safe during COVID. Workers in hazmat suits, even robot waiters. We are just five days away from the start of the Winter Olympics, and tonight we're getting a closer look at the extreme COVID precautions put in place. We're talking about workers in hazmat suits and robot waiters. Yes, robot waiters. Ref Sanchez reports. With the Olympics just days away, athletes arriving in Beijing under the shadow of COVID. At least 39 competitors and team officials now testing positive. Among them, Polish skating star and medal hopeful Natalia Malashevska. While some Team USA athletes reached Beijing this weekend, others hit with COVID before even leaving the States. Bobsledder Josh Williamson announcing he tested positive on Instagram, writing, this has not been an easy pill to swallow. The U.S. Olympic Committee says it's still very hopeful that the entire team will be healthy and able to compete in Beijing. I think the single most important thing to remember as all these athletes go into these games is that you must control what you can and then disregard what you cannot. Beijing on high alert ahead of the games under a strict zero COVID policy. Overnight, locking down several residential neighborhoods after two more cases were detected. Athletes and journalists alike subjected to intense testing on arrival, as NBC's Steve Patterson found out. We're going to need to get through this. Uh, immediately you see some of the hazmat suits up there. A ghostly welcome to these strangest of games. Inside the closed loop of the Olympic Village, a look at some high-tech additions. Cafeteria workers are out, and robot cooks and servers are in. So don't expect any long chats with the bartender as he mixes your martini. And in a first for Winter Games, almost all the snow is man-made, raising questions about safety and the environmental impact. An unprecedented Olympics for an unprecedented time. Raf Sanchez, NBC News. Up next, the controversial new effort to hold police officers accountable even after cases have already been closed. And remembering TV's coolest DJ, sitcom legend Howard Hessman. I'm living on the air in Cincinnati. Cincinnati WKRP. Tonight, we're remembering the TV star who brought radio to life. You got Johnny. 
Dr. Johnny Fever, and I am burning up in here. What? Actor Howard Hessman has died. The Emmy Award nominee played the wild DJ on the hit show WKRP in Cincinnati from 1978 to 1982. He later starred in Head of the Class and played many roles in movies. Hessman was 81 years old. Now to a controversial new effort to hold police accountable for past misconduct, including deadly use of force. In some cases, previous prosecutors decided not to pursue charges, but a new crop of prosecutors are essentially reopening the cases. Ron Allen reports, and a warning, some of the video may be disturbing. This police video shows the arrest of 40-year-old Javier Ambler in Austin, Texas, after a 22-minute chase in March of 2019. Sheriff's deputies from nearby Williamson County had tried to pull the driver over for failing to dim his headlights for oncoming traffic. Ambler later died at a hospital, and for years, investigators did not find any wrongdoing by police. <laughs> Devastating Ambler's family. I've cried a lot. I have cried a lot. I love my son. Nearly two years later, things began to change. A new prosecutor took over the case. You are pushing hard at the system. Absolutely. And you're going to continue to do that? Absolutely. Jose Garza is among a number of so-called progressive prosecutors, many newly elected, promising criminal justice reform. An advocacy group counts as many as 70 in the country, many taking a new look at past allegations of police misconduct, even reaching back decades. In Los Angeles, the county DA formed a committee to review hundreds of officer-involved shootings since 2012. Unlike his predecessor, Garza presented the Ambler case to a grand jury. It indicted two sheriff's deputies for manslaughter. In a statement at the time, their attorney said Ambler's physical exertion in resisting arrest no doubt contributed to his medical emergency, and the deputies are neither morally or legally responsible for his death. Grand juries handed down 11 indictments against law enforcement officers in Garza's first year in office. We present every case uh, where a law enforcement officer shoots or kills someone to a grand jury. I believe that the people should decide. The police union in Austin is furious with Garza. You've said that you think he's targeting police officers? Absolutely. We've had circumstances with him where our last district attorney reviewed cases and said there's nothing here but he sees something uh, and somehow convinces a grand jury to take it forward. Ken Cassidy says Garza has demoralized the department and that his reforms contribute to a spike in violent crime. Austin's homicide rate, like in numerous cities, soared to record highs last year. Do you worry about the pushback from the police department? No, I don't. At the end of the day, our community gets to decide what kind of criminal justice system they have. Meanwhile, the Ambler family, approaching three years in March since their son's death, remains unsure whether the criminal indictments truly are a step forward. Do you think there will be a trial and accountability? I hope so. Do I really think? It's like a coin flip.
a family hoping a prosecutor with a new perspective finally brings them justice. Ron Allen, NBC News, Austin. When we come back, the emotional surprise at a hit Broadway show. There's good news tonight about finally achieving a dream and having that moment celebrated by the people you love. It was a moment that stole the show. We all remember when the lights went out on Broadway and we were mourning and finding things to do. Emily decided to do something important. She went back to school and finished her college. Yeah. A mysterious announcement after the curtain call for the Broadway musical Come From Away. And a total surprise for one of the stars, 34-year-old actress Emily Walton. Those tears of joy as everyone celebrated the new college graduate. Can you describe what it felt like in that moment? It felt... Um, completely overwhelming. 14 years ago, Emily left college to pursue acting. Did you think, like, someday I have to go back? I always had my eye on that prize. I just didn't know when. In 2018, she landed the role of a lifetime in Come From Away, the tale of a small town in Newfoundland, Canada, that took in air passengers rerouted there when U.S. airspace shut down after the 9-11 attacks. I think at its root, it's about basic human kindness. Welcome to the land where we lost our love. Emily says the show changed her. She felt supported by her castmates. And so when COVID shut Broadway down, she had the confidence to go back to school online. To have been doing this thing for the last couple of years, privately, literally living in my parents' basement for a year of the pandemic, it was just this this quiet, personal thing that I was doing. But last weekend, her castmates wanted to celebrate her milestone in a big public way. They invited the president of Southern New Hampshire University to present her diploma and a cap and gown. When the tears just started to come down, it was just a triumphant moment. It was an emotional moment. There are themes in the show about caring, kindness, generosity. It's not a coincidence that that happened on that stage with those people. We all are so happy to celebrate each other. What would you say to people who might be thinking of completing something they've always dreamed of finishing? Just start slowly chipping away at it and it might take years, but the feeling you'll get when you've accomplished it is unlike anything else. I confess to Emily that I am a super fan of that show. If you can't make it to Broadway, you can stream it. Emily earned her degree in psychology, but she has no plans to leave acting anytime soon. I'm Kate Snow. For all of us here at NBC News, stay safe and have a great night. Thanks for watching our YouTube channel. Follow today's top stories and breaking news by downloading the NBC News app.
Innovation, money, and power collide. In Silicon Valley and beyond, this is Bloomberg Technology with Emily Chang. I'm Caroline Hyde in New York in for Emily Chang. This is Bloomberg Technology coming up in the next hour. Apple soaring on results that sail past Wall Street estimates. This is the Nasdaq 100 managed to jump 3% to end the week. Still set for its worst month since 2008. Plus one year on is the meme stock phenomenon that put Robinhood in the hot seat. Fizzling out, we'll talk about the future of the retail trader and more and trademark infringement versus the first amendment the first big battle over nfts how the case involving hermes bags could set a new precedent we'll get to that in a moment we also want to be bringing you some breaking tech news this all regarding hpe of course mike lynch uk tech tycoon UK government approving the extradition of Mike Lynch to the United States to face some criminal fraud charges. That's after we just hours ago heard the London judge ruling that the tech tycoon was dishonest in that $11 billion sale of his company to Hewlett Packard Enterprises. We'll get much more on that in a moment. But now let's go back to the markets because we ended Friday on a positive footing. Tech leading the charge, Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow, walking through an extraordinary week. An extraordinary week, a volatile week. Don't worry, Caroline, we can breathe a sigh of relief. It's Friday. The Nasdaq 100, very tech-heavy index, up more than 3%, as you said. Biggest jump since March of 2021. Not quite as impressive as the S&P 500, which had a really strong day, best since June of 2020, of course. But you look at how mega caps performed. The NYSE FANG Plus Index up also 3%. Apple, a massive part of that. The only stock in that group not to make a gain was Netflix, down six-tenths of a percent. And semiconductors getting in on the act. Semiconductors performed so poorly relative to the rest of the subsectors within technology so far this year. And Bloomberg Galaxy Crypto Index also getting in on the act, its biggest jump since November. So it's a really positive way to end the week, Carolina. I don't, I'm not trying to upset you. I'm not trying to bring the mood down. But come with me into my Bloomberg terminal, because you mentioned this in the intro. Let's think big picture here. The Nasdaq 100 is on track for its worst month since 2008, the financial crisis. I was a little bit younger then, but... That, that chart says it all, doesn't it? You know, what we're dealing with at the start of 2022. It's the outlook for rates and those high multiple stretch valuation tech stocks, particularly in the software sector that we're worried about. The question, I guess, is was Apple's big print for the fiscal first quarter period ending December enough to turn the tide? Well, this is Apple, right, over the last five days. You look at that jump and the superlatives are amazing. This is the biggest um, jump for Apple uh, in some time, but it's the biggest post-earnings jump since July of 2020 when they posted their print for the period ending in June of that year. So clearly investors are happy about something. The question is, will they be happy next week? Yeah, and maybe some not happy about this reversal on a Friday. There are people who are short this market, of course, but currently, right. I mean, a phenomenal move for Apple. Biggest one-day move since July the 31st, 
2020, Ed. Great wrap-up right. of an extraordinary week. And we'll get to Apple in a moment. But first, I want to take a look at a very volatile week, as we were just saying, led by the tech stock staging a bit of a comeback. Well, a man who might be a little bit gloating about this shift to value is Bill Smead, CIO of Smead Capital Management. And this is a story. Yes, today the Nasdaq performs well. But in general, January has been a story of movement from growth into value. It sure has. And, and the worst thing you can have is these violent up dead cat bounces. They went on for, you know, from March of 2000, they went on all the way through to 2003. So uh, I, I don't know what you should wish for there. I, I, I think if I were bullish on tech, I'd want them to form a sideways bottom for six months and build some kind of a base because these abrupt rallies are more symptomatic of a bear market. Interesting. I mean, a lot of people saying today's action that the end of the week sort of swift reversal is in some way a look ahead to the fact that we're rebalancing for the end of January after an extraordinary sell off month that perhaps people are just trying to reallocate their portfolios ahead of that end of the month that we get on Monday. If this is a dead cat bounce, where to hide? I mean, you're a man who's sat on the West Coast in Seattle, but you're really looking not at the tech players. You're someone who thinks, look, time is not ripe for the energy trade, for example. It, it, it's bizarre. People are were more excited about oil at $65 a barrel in 2018 than they are about oil at $88 a barrel when virtually everything involved has driven scarcity. You know, we, we, uh, we used the example of, of uh, cigarette commercials being banned in 1970. And over the next 40 years, the number of adult smokers in the United States got chopped in half. But Philip Morris was the best performing stock on the New York Stock Exchange in those 40 years because the price of a pack of cigarettes went from 20 cents to $5. And, that, and that's basically what we're doing. The, the massive amount of money flowing into ESG investing has overcapitalized innovative clean energy uh, needles in a haystack and massively undercapitalized the future success of the oil business. I just think it's an extraordinary time, really, to be looking at this market and understanding whether the U.S. as well is the place to be remaining to put your money. The U.S. dollar on an absolute tear. Of course, this is as we see a Federal Reserve get more hawkish as we anticipate those rate hikes. But what is the story of the dollar and whether or not you should be looking outside of the U.S.? Well, uh, we, <laughs> we just started a... Uh, international fund ourselves. So <laughs> we're a, a little bit biased about the Smead International Value Fund. So stocks are cheap outside the United States because most of the glam tech is, is not outside the United States, just like in 1999, most of the glam tech was not in the United States. Uh, we, we think making cars and producing oil and owning land and uh, and building houses and things that benefit from inflationary attitudes are, are where to go, not chasing the next dream of someone that hopes to create the next Netflix or Amazon. 
We're looking at a dollar index up seven tenths of percent. You talk about basically inflation hedges at the moment, but at what point, Bill, does Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, these tech heavyweights become again a place of safety, a haven, because they were the haven trade, and their margins are such that, and their balance sheets are, are so clean to a certain degree that you would have thought they could still be the safety trade. That was the question asked in 1980 about the oil stocks when they were popular. That is the question in, in, in 1990 about the Japanese stocks that made up most of the top 10. That was the question asked uh, in 2000 about the top 10 holdings, which were mostly tech. And that was the same question asked in 2010 about the Chinese stocks that, that were and the Chinese beneficiary stocks like BHP Billiton that everyone mm. was asking that question about. The problem with asking that question is by virtue of the fact that you're asking that question, you're inviting poor investment results the following 10 years by trying to make it be so. Just accept the fact that you'll never see tech more popular than it's been in the last 12 months. Wow, fight and talk, Bill Smead. Going to get a few writing in from that, I'm sure. CIO is me, Capital. Stay well. Have a wonderful weekend. And, of course, we want to get back to the Apple story now. Ed was mentioning the shares are, I mean, phenomenal move. Haven't seen that sort of a move since July 2020. A much better than expected results. Joining me now, Mark Gurman, who, of course, follows Apple the most closely of all people we know and breaks scoop after scoop. What did you make of the share reaction? What do you make of what you heard on the call from Tim Cook and the executives? Thank you, Caroline. Well, the share reaction makes a lot of sense. It's well-deserved, right? These numbers were absolutely stunning, right? I think everyone expected that Apple would beat its guidance, right? Apple's guidance was that they would come in higher than the $111.4 billion from the year-ago quarter. But nobody really thought they would win the game by that many points. Nobody thought they would smash that by about $13, $14 billion which they did. Extremely strong performance for the iPhone 13, despite it being a modest upgrade. Clearly, people still want to get their hands on 5G. Clearly, there's still a lot of upgraders. Uh, the Apple Watch and the AirPods did fairly well, despite the fact that these were pretty, you know, incremental upgrades from the year-ago devices. And so, overall, very, very strong performance, other than two minor flaws with the iPad in Japan, when neither of those are especially core to the company's overall portfolio. We had an, a great conversation previous to this on our triple take conversation about supply chain woes. They're actually getting worse. The port of L.A. where you currently sit looking more ugly than it ever has. How has Apple managed to navigate that so well? Seriously impressive. My, my take is that it's so fascinating that you see Tesla and other companies saying this is going to go on through the year into 2023 and you have Apple saying it's really easing up this quarter. Well, my take is that Apple has extreme pricing power and they draw the most volume for these supply chain partners, right, in Taiwan, in Japan, China, elsewhere, in Asia, Vietnam. And what they're able to do is get these suppliers to really put them front and center, put them first in line when these components 
components are available because a lot of these suppliers they generate the bulk of the revenue from Apple. So of course they're going to choose Apple when their supply when their supplies are ready to give it to Apple versus a Samsung versus a Microsoft versus an Amazon or Meta or or another partner, right? Apple's going to be at the front of the line. They also have a very strong operational structure, right? They have people on the ground in China already throughout the pandemic even when you were not able to travel in order to start resolving these issues. So they've been working on this a bit longer than some of the other companies. They've had people dealing with these issues already mm. for two and a half, three years. So they have a leg up in, in terms of pricing power and people. There are, though, the odd tiny cloud on the horizon potentially for Apple. This one in particular, when it looks at Trust, the App Store, Epic Games, there seems to be another step being made there in terms of support coming from various attorneys general in support of Epic. Yeah, Apple's going to just make as much money as it can with its current App Store rules for as long as it can, right? They made, you know, over $60 billion across fiscal 2021. They made a ton of money from the App Store in fiscal Q1 over that holiday period. Uh, so they're going to keep generating that money as long as they're allowed to. And once they need to make that fundamental shift uh, across the entire App Store, they will. They probably will take a bit of a revenue hit there. But they're going to make as much money as they can till then, and they're going to invest it and they're betting on as the user base expands. Remember, they said they have 1.8 billion active users now as of this quarter. That's up 300 million devices in just two years. So the more devices they have, the more people they have buying apps, the more people they have subscribing to services. Uh, and so I think they're going to be okay in the long run, no matter what is done to their underlying business. Ecosystem still going to keep on feeding the beast. Mark Gurman, we thank you so much on all things Apple coming up. It's been a year since that GameStop furor. Do you remember it? We'll be reflecting on the meme stock phenomenon that put, of course, Robinhood in the hot seat and where the trading platform is headed. We're going to be speaking with Regent Atlantic's Andy Kaplan. That's next. This is Bloomberg. So exactly one year ago, a swarm of retail investors went all in on a few stocks, including GameStop, AMC, following advice, of course, from various threads like the Reddit one, Wall Street Bets. This put Robin Hood, of course, the brokerage, in the spotlight and upended many hedge funds' plans who were betting against such stocks. They were short them. What have we learned one year later? Let's bring in Andy Caperin. He's the partner and co-chief investment officer at Region Atlantic. And a man who, you know, we all remember kind of where we were amid the meme stock frenzy. It was an extraordinary story. But what are the aftermaths? Is retail still a bigger player now than it was then? No, it's, it's a much smaller one. And I think one of the reasons it's a much smaller one has everything to do with GameStop and how it played out for the smaller investor. It wasn't until this the news had already broken, it wasn't until GameStop was already up significantly, that the typical retail investor opened up a brokerage account, did their first options trade, which was typically a deep out of the money call option on GameStop. If they were lucky enough to be one of the first few, that was a lottery ticket that paid off. If they were unlucky enough to not to be one of the last few, 
it's been a slow grind down in the in the in the stock price of GameStop over the course of the past few years, or sorry, the past few months. And I think what it really is going to do long term is discourage that investor whose first experience was this lottery environment um, to become a long term investor in the stock market. And that ultimately is bad for everybody. It means it means fewer investors in the stock market, less liquidity. It means that they won't use this engine of wealth creation for themselves, perhaps until they've had a, a re-education. Perhaps they're not picking individual stocks at quite the same clip as they were. I mean, there's still, I think it's something like 17 million people using Robinhood. There's still an awful lot of assets that they have that they certainly store. And is there an element that people are now putting money to work in, in Mark in funds, they're putting it into work in ETFs. Is the retail investor just perhaps not picking individually anymore? So Robinhood is an interesting part of this story, the, the ETF and individual stock story, because for many, many years, people have been putting most of their assets to work into index funds. Mm -hmm. um, tax efficient, easy, don't have to think about it. You get an instant diversified portfolio. And then Robinhood broke the brokerage industry by offering free commissions. And there's a magic to free. Um, before Robinhood did this, commissions were $10 at some brokers, $5 at another. Not so much that it really makes a big difference to say a $10,000 trade, but it makes a huge psychological difference to make something free. That is, uh, that, that, there, there's a certain magic to free. And I think what Robinhood has done is by forcing the other brokers to get to that $0 commission level, they are encouraging investors to trade more individual stocks. Now, all of a sudden, you have to think about it a little bit harder, but because it's free, that, that, that inhibition against doing it um, has gone away. I think more investors are investing in individual stocks. That has a lot to do with the market dynamics that we've seen over the course of the last two years with some of the, with, with some of the individual names that were popular with retail investors first experiencing a huge spike in their price and then a very rapid decline, especially over the course of the past three months. What, where retail has perhaps forced change is the behaviour of certain hedge funds to go short and to the extent that they go short a certain stock. Do you think that will have long-term impact, Andy? I think it will. And I, and I, and I think it has in a, in a couple of really meaningful ways. One is it'll permanently change the price of options. Um, the, the people that were caught short in, uh, in GameStop and in some of these other stocks, uh, one of the reasons they, they were caught short is they, they simply overextended themselves, took too much risk. But one of the reasons that they, they, they got caught short is they didn't apply enough protection to the trade. Um, you could have bought an out-of-the-money call option yourself to, to protect against this kind of eventuality. They didn't, they, didn't th they didn't feel they need to. And I think that's permanently going to skew the price of out-of-the-money call options, especially on smaller, less liquid volatile stocks. Um, I think the other way that this changes uh, hedge fund behavior is it's going to make them under-eager to run a fully balanced long-short book. They might maintain a long bias, um, even if they don't necessarily feel bullish about the stock market overall, because it's, it's just so dangerous to be caught short in, uh, in one of these stocks. Really interesting ramifications and, well, perhaps a little bit of humility and hubris across the board, really. Right. Region Atlantic's Andy Caperin, we wish you well. Have a wonderful weekend.
Meanwhile, coming up, it's a fight over the First Amendment and trademark infringement. What a case involving Meta Birkins could mean for the emerging NFT market. That's next. This is Bloomberg. Let's follow up on a headline that we mentioned earlier. The UK government has approved the extradition of Mike Lynch to the United States to face criminal fraud charges. Now, this comes after a London judge ruled the tech tycoon was dishonest in that $11 billion sale of his company. Now, the extradition decision by the Home Secretary was issued Friday, but Lynch is unlikely to be getting on a plane anytime soon. He can appeal a court's decision to allow his extradition. It's the latest in well, more than a decade of twists and turns following the 2011 sale of Lynch's company Autonomy to Hewlett-Packard Enterprise. A year after the sale, the HPE, of course, wrote down the value of that deal, some $8.8 billion. Now, to another league battle, legal one, that we're watching. It's a fight that could think, well, could potentially end up front-running the U.S. Supreme Court. It could end up being there. We could see an upending of what is the ways in which we think about NFTs. In particular, Hermes Birkin bag versions. The luxury French designer is suing the maker of the non-fungible tokens over trademark rights. Let's go to the bottom of all of it and joined by Bloomberg Law, Samantha Handler. Now, take us back a step. This court case, it's all to do with the fact that these non-fungible tokens get sold of digital Birkins, but without Hermes's say-so. Yes. Uh, so Hermes is uh, claiming that Mason Rothschild has infringed on their famous Birkin trademarks with his Meta Birkin NFTs. Uh, Hermes is saying those NFTs are diluting their famous marks. But Rothschild says his First Amendment rights um, protects him in selling these NFTs and has compared the situation to Andy Warhol's paintings of Campbell's soup cans. And this might give courts or even the Supreme Court uh, the chance to clarify the legal balance between trademark rights and the First Amendment. Your view on how courts usually balance these sorts of trademark rights versus the freedom of expression? Right. So courts have said these types of cases uh, should only go in favor of the brand if the trademark has no artistic relevance to the work or the artist is explicitly misleading consumers on the source of the work. Mm. Um, appeals courts are inconsistent on how they apply this test, and it tends to favor artists. Attorneys think Hermes might have a better shot, though, because consumers might be confused about whether or not the actual Birkin maker is associated with these Meta Birkins. So many other brands uh, have gotten into the space, like Adidas and, you know, Louis Vuitton. Yes. yes, of course. The fact that many a company right now wanting to ensure that its presence is felt in the metaverse, Nike, another key one. I'm interested in the guidance, the potential guidance coming out of these rights what how do you think it will impact going forward how how what are people going to be looking for to help dictate future decisions around this and and how can companies in particular potentially front run this so they don't end up in court but end up part of the process before it goes live right so companies uh, can start filing trademark registrations in 
proactive categories that might cover NFTs. There isn't any specific category right now that does cover NFTs. Mm. Um, but that's one way they could try to get ahead of it or just go ahead and collaborate with artists um, right from the start, like Louis Vuitton has. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, people are watching this case uh, to see if the Supreme Court or another court does clarify this test um, that might give brands a better outcome for these cases. Is this the first major legal action that we've seen? Yes. Yeah, so uh, there have been other suits involving NFTs and artist rights, but Hermes is the first large company, really high-profile plaintiff to take on this case, which is another reason it might be enticing for a court like the Supreme Court to eventually take on. Bloomberg Law's Samantha Handler. It's going to be fascinating what sort of precedent it does indeed set and how people start to try and get ahead of the curve. We want to thank you. We've got so much more actually coming up on the crypto space. We're talking about being the future of business, potentially. Michael Shorlove's going to be joining us, CEO of cryptocurrency custody firm Fireblocks, about why he believes every business will become a crypto business and how they can protect it. This is Bloomberg. This is Bloomberg Technology. I'm Caroline Hyde in New York. And it wasn't just tech stocks that had a pretty wild week. Crypto in on the act as well. Bloomberg said Ludlow back in the action for us. And talk to us through what the week that was. Yeah, I mean, volatility was the buzzword. And, and I bring up this board right where I'm showing the Bloomberg Galaxy Crypto Index. Of course, it only trades Monday through Friday, largely a heavy weighting of Bitcoin, Ether, Ethereum, and then some other... Uh, tokens as well. And, and it's interesting because Friday, Bitcoin pushed higher after we saw that equity market late push or rally towards $38,000 per token. Uh, but, you know, over a one week basis, Bitcoin's higher, Ethereum lower, and the NASDAQ 100 basically flat along with equities. So in a week where we had a Fed meeting, we get key earnings that have driven sentiment in the equity markets. I ask you once again, Caroline, what is Bitcoin? Come with me into my Bloomberg terminal and let's ask the question. Because we've been looking at this chart for a long time now, the kind of correlation between the NASDAQ 100 and Bitcoin, okay? The correlation kind of remains high, it drops back down, it comes back high, risk on mode, risk off mode. What is it that we're thinking about here? And it is a question to continue asking guests because Bitcoin did drive higher throughout the week, especially when Jay Powell made those comments right earlier in the week that he could even reassess his own inflation outlook for the year, maybe add a few tenths of a percent onto that. But I'm still confused. I'm not quite sure where I stand on a day where we're risk off, quote unquote, in the equity markets. Bitcoin's kind of starting to behave its own way a little bit. Yeah, digital gold or a risk asset? The argument continues. Ed Ludlow, we thank you for that breakdown. Let's just stick with the world of crypto right now. DeFi lending firm, that's Qubit Finance, just saw, well, another $80 million worth of its digital assets actually wiped out. The latest in a series of hacks for crypto trading marketplaces, which have left investors frustrated companies suspending services to fix network vulnerabilities and the like. All of this can be a hindrance to the overall growth of the ecosystem. 
But let's talk about how you can prevent that. Cryptocurrency custody firm Fireblocks is with us. Michael Sholov is joining us. And Michael, I mean, first and foremost, we want to congratulate you on the fact that you've just had a mega new funding round, new market capitalization that rallies significantly in the private markets because more people want to be putting money into your business. Talk to us about the growth because you've been adding more and more companies to help, what, with the custody, with, with the protection of their crypto assets, right? Yeah, uh, that's exactly right, Caroline. So, um, you know, what we do, we basically provide a custody infrastructure for financial institutions, mainly fintech firms, uh, banks, and uh, other, you know, financial intermediaries that eventually either they're using this uh, uh, service for themselves or they're basically creating white label solutions for consumers, uh, for retail clients. Um, and, you know, as you can imagine, back on the there's more and more interest clearly in crypto uh, to, you know, 2021 was an amazing year overall for the industry uh, our client base went from uh, 100 clients 100 uh, institutions that were using us at the beginning of that year to over 800 where we finished 2021 and that's because all of those, all of those clients want to make sure that they have access to the most uh, secure and well-protected infrastructure and maybe that's why of course your own market capitalization goes up to something like eight, eight billion. I'm, I'm in, it's the likes of Bank of New York Mellon, Revolut. We're looking at some of the co companies that you help support. Galaxy Digital itself. We were just talking about that crypto uh, index that we sort of share with Galaxy Digital. I'm interested in whether you move outside the world of financial players, whether it, at the moment is the low-hanging fruit financial institutions that aren't yet offering a crypto offering that would become your future clients or where's the where's the is the world your oyster yeah so actually much to our surprise and i i, I must admit that the nft sort of phenomenon uh, also caught us by surprise but because we've uh, really invested in infrastructure for DeFi, and for those who are not uh, so much familiar with the industry nft and DeFi, they have a very similar infrastructure uh, we were also well positioned for nfts and while we still see most of the momentum uh, inside of the financial uh, sector in the last couple of months we start onboarding customers that are really outside of the financial uh, industry many companies that uh, provide um uh, you know gaming so in the gaming industry we see a lot of momentum clearly it's sort of uh, correlated to to the metaverses uh, I think there is a, a pretty interesting uh, future to, to both gaming and, and metaverse where NFTs really play a big role. And uh, met, uh, and also other other businesses such as uh, marketplaces where you know they are sitting in the middle of those transactions and they can greatly benefit from this technology. So we're definitely seeing right now the expansion of uh, uh, the services that we offer to just generally speaking businesses and i think that over the next uh, five to ten years we will see basically most of the businesses leverage this technology for you know just value that they create content that mm. they can organize um, it's very interesting i mean of course we've been hearing a lot of the world of nft combining with youtube with parts of alphabet which interestingly the VC are part, potentially, capital G is obviously related to Google. How much are some of the investors that you're currently bringing on, capital G being one of them, we were looking at some of the other ones that you've been with, Spark Capital, D1 Capital. How many, how are these companies sort of 
thoughtful for you in terms of being strategic investors? Yeah. So uh, you know, first of all, first of all, uh, I think uh, those are some of the high house uh, VCs that. Uh, uh, for a fairly long period of time, they were actually not in the crypto. They were not investing in this industry. And I think in the last uh, uh, year or so, they sort of started to uh, uh, pay attention and, and invest in companies like ourselves. Clearly, with some of those names that we mentioned, there are strategic discussions that uh, are, um, you know, on the broader corporate strategy that they have. I think that many companies, like so basically, like in all the big. Web two companies that they have a lot of content uh, that is generated on our, on, our, on their platform or gaming. You know, Google is one of them, Microsoft, uh, uh, Amazon, and and uh, and many others. Right? They are thinking about their strategy. What are they going to do with digital payments? And what are they going to do with uh, NFTs? And uh, yeah, you know, having those people and those folks on on our. Uh, balance sheet um, and aligning with them strategically definitely helps with uh, having those conversations. Also, to be honest, we like to be strategic partners uh, and uh, sort of thought partners to a lot of those people because given the fact that we see what's going on in the industry today and we are working with many of the innovators, many of the startups that are really developing the new things, we can help them to understand how exactly it works and what ideas really are, are really meaningful for them. What about, well, legislation? What about the ways in which currently not only the United States government, but worldwide, that institutions are looking at the development of crypto and understanding how to regulate it? Yeah, I think that there is a lot of uh, regulatory push in the, in the last uh, year or two. I, I, I think that, that overall the narrative in the cryptocurrency industry actually changed to welcome their regulation, right? As long as it's basically aligned with the technology, because what we believe, and I think many others starting to believe is that there is actually a better way to do uh, consumer protection, anti-money laundering, and all the important things that regulation brings inside of the crypto ecosystem using crypto tools. So one of the things that we've actually done recently we created a DeFi marketplace with a company called Ave that uh, is enforcing sort of a permission, the regulatory uh, uh, screening on the edges of that market, and lets and, and allows a licensed institution to participate in DeFi, which uh, before that that was sort of impossible because as a as a licensed institution you couldn't actually figure out if you're mm. going to. Uh, you know, undermine any uh, off-fact regulations or things like that. So overall, I think that there is a, a pretty interesting development on that front, which will be positive to the industry. Fablox CEO, Michael Scholler, great to have some time with you. Thank you for making the time after that fundraise, talking all things crypto. Meanwhile, coming up, it keeps getting, well, better, but we still aren't where we need to be when it comes to diversity on boards. My next guest is working to try and fix just that, starting with how companies even search for candidates. That's next. There's a Bloomberg. A story we want to update you on. SoftBank COO Marcelo Clore, he's out. He's been with the company for the last nine years. Michelle Combs 
will become the CEO of SoftBank Group International. In a statement on Claudia's departure, CEO Masayoshi's son said in part Marcelo was made many contributions to SoftBank during his time here and we thank him for his dedication and wish him continued success in his future endeavors. Bloomberg had learned, of course, that Claudia was looking for as much as a billion dollars in compensation. Now, let's talk about what a record it has been for Ashley women in 2021. When it comes to board seats, they gained more than 100 seats in S&P 500 boardrooms last year. But still a lot of work still to be done, especially when it comes to the process of how companies look for board members and how we can drive true diversity, not just on a gender basis. Abby Elderman's with us. She's CEO of Boardspan, plenty of expertise when it comes to advising boards, when it comes to strategies, governance, of course, what you were previously doing, M&A and the likes for them. I'm interested in those steps being taken. We're now seeing what just sub 31% of board seats in the S&P 500 held by women. That's below Europe, below Australia, but still an improvement. Is it sustainable improvement? Caroline, that is absolutely the right question to jump in on. And uh, I just want to start off by saying that this whole issue of diversity and people say, well, why is it important? Are we just trying to meet some regulatory requirements or tick some boxes? And in fact, it is really core to what makes for a successful board. And that's the whole reason board span exists. So diversity is a really important part of the equation, but it's, it's, it's uh, gaining, it's really trying to create boards that contribute more to all of their constituents. Um, as far as the question that you posed on the 31% is great progress, but there is some risk of sort of being asymptotic and, and having those numbers flatten out a little bit because you have to think about the different pressures. How did we get to where we are? What's driving it? Mm -hmm. uh, and what are the blockers coming forward? I'm interested in that because we sit here as two white women and I've spoken at length many a time with the likes of Ursula Burns, who has her own focus on board diversity, and particularly as a black woman. She said, look, white women have made inroads, but people of color haven't. We're starting to see improvement there as well, but not enough to the same extent. I think back in 2019, it was what, one and a half percent of board seats in the Russell 3000 were women of color. That's an appalling statistic. How are we seeing that change? Yeah, no, it, it is appalling, and, and there is progress um, with a lot more that needs to come. You know, the statistics show us that the uh, people of color, uh, more broadly, what's called the underrepresented communities, uh, are up to 17%, which is, which is some progress from last year. But I think the issue is really people focusing on why do I want to bring this person on the board mm. above and beyond the diversity characteristics. It is so critical for boards to think about the challenges ahead of the organization, their broader definition of constituents that we're sort of all a little bit more woke about and the challenges they're going to have. And the value of having diverse board members is to get diverse thinking. These are a different set of challenges and problems as the world has changed. We've all experienced that over the last two years. And what serves that organization best is to bring what I call a tapestry of thinking. And that's where diversity really adds a lot of value. And I think when it comes to people of color, um, other ways to consider underrepresentation, by gender um, and a combination, you're really getting that much more, frankly, sophisticated thinking and, and less monolithic thinking. 
I mean, just think what the Federal Reserve itself has just been through. When we look at the seats of the Federal Open Monetary Committee, Philip Jefferson just being added, a man, black man, who, of course, not only... It, we think about a diverse, in terms of statement, what we see, but also the intellect that he brings, the writing he's done when it comes to poverty, when it comes to coming from different backgrounds, Lisa Cook being added at the Fed, Sarah Bloom Raskin as well from the... She comes with a wealth of experience when you come to environment as well. When, how do we build that sort of thinking in an earlier time? I mean, the Federal Reserve has been under a lot of pressure itself because it needs to think more from a more diverse, inclusive nature from the labour market. How are people being set from a pay perspective? Are we starting to see real tangible needs being put on executives to ensure that they think in a diverse manner? Yeah, there's a few things going on. And, and, you know, I think there was a little bit of a tipping point when the Business Roundtable redefined, you know, mm. who are the constituents and, and, and saying it's not just all shareholder primacy. Obviously, investors still play an important role. But when we think about the critical importance of a board's responsibility to employees, to customers, to the planet, that's making us realize we need that talent that brings that additional expertise, that that broader perspective. So I think that is one of the considerations that goes into it. Uh, but, you know, there, there are other things that are going to help move that along. And then fighting it, unfortunately, on the other side are things like, you know, this really interesting NASDAQ rule uh, yeah. that came out last year. And now it's up to 17 states AGs that have filed suits against NASDAQ. And so now we're saying like, whoa, that's a blocker what's driving, you know, sort of, that, that's what worries me about how much progress we can continue to make. I still think there's a lot of progress ahead of us. It would just be nice if we continued to have more wind at our back. And the media need to keep shining a light on statistics such as that, where Charter Communications has 7% of its board as women. You know, not good enough needs to be sort of the, the, the framing. But I'm, I'm interested in sort of whether or not people so often say, oh, a pipeline problem. But there isn't a pipeline problem. It's just you have to be more diverse in the way in which you think about the talent you need. It doesn't need to always have been a CEO. It doesn't need to always have been a C-level executive, even. How are you seeing people think more broadly about the experience and the expertise they need to ensure that they've got the right people around the, the table that don't look like themselves? You know, that's exactly right. So I've always, I've always felt that it was a demand problem, not a supply problem. Um, and so we always work with our clients around intention. What problem are you trying to solve? Mm. What are the needs? What are the challenges that are going to be coming up uh, or the opportunities you want to take advantage of? And with this world getting so much more complex, that's exactly the, the situation where you're thinking, you know what? Somebody who's really helped grow an international business, somebody that understands business disruption, Somebody who's a true product expert. I'm thinking of uh, one of the clients that we're working with, a uh, company that recently went public called Meridian Link, and they specifically knew that what they needed in the case of one uh, new board member was uh, somebody who's really a true product expert, and in the case of their next new board member, somebody who understood how to go to market and financial yeah. services. With those two requirements, we were able to put two uh, diverse women what we call double diverse on that board in the course of two months. There's tons of talent out there. It's yeah. about asking the right questions. Abby, 
Thanks for answering our questions. Abby Adleman, CEO of Boardspan. Really great take there. Meanwhile, coming up, we'll hear from Ford CEO Jim Farley and Salesforce co-CEO Mark Benioff on what their partnership looks like. They are launching, of course, a brand new pilot project with Ford's suite of electric and digitally connected commercial vehicles. This is Bloomberg. As Ford is in the midst of launching its electric F-150 Lightning pickup truck, they stopped by Sonoma County in California. Now, my colleague Emily Chang, of course, who I'm sitting in the seat for now, she sat down with the Ford CEO, Jim Farley, and Salesforce co-CEO, Mark Benioff, to talk about this new venture, starting with what Ford's new focus on services will mean for consumers. Take a listen. There'll be kind of customized software that you can pick and choose, as Mark said, off a menu that would make sense for our commercial customers and our retail customers that makes sense for them. Maybe prognostics or certain kind of telematics like dynamic routing or coaching for the driver if it's a, if a gas or diesel van. So I, I think we'll have a subscription like, like we're so used to and content, but it'll just be customized based on the usefulness of the data. I don't Mark know if that makes sense. Well, I, I think it makes a lot of sense because, you know, when you look at the, all the opportunities, whether it's opportunities in sales and service and marketing in commerce itself, uh, in building these custom applications, the analytics, the dashboards, the data, so many of those things that you see here that, you know, it's not typically how we think about our, <clears throat> our, our trucks, but in this case, you know, our trucks are connected. These aren't just trucks, these are connected trucks. Mm -hmm. And the truck is really becoming my friend. You know, I have a relationship with my truck. You know, I mentioned before in my new F-350, I have a new F-350 fire truck. I have a relationship with that truck. I have to make sure that truck is always ready to go because you never know when that's gonna be a major issue for you. So I think this is what value-added services out of the cloud is gonna offer us. It's gonna offer us the ability to be more connected, not only to our products, but to each other and uh, we'll be able to do that in, you know, f in every dimension uh, of the business. Jim, is there a number you can put on it? Like by 2030, how much do you imagine services contributing to the overall business? You know, I, I don't want to put a number on it, but I can imagine that, you know, half of our, of our commercial revenue could be either physical service of the vehicle or software, software, I, I, I don't think the answer will be like it'll be software and not the physical service. Mm -hmm. They're totally integrated in our case mm -hmm. to keep the uptime 100%. But I could see half. And obviously, Mark, you, Ford and Salesforce have had a relationship for a long time. Are you seeing more of your own customers rev up their relationship with Salesforce like this? And what does that mean for your business? Does that help you reach SMBs and, and new customers that you might not reach otherwise? All of our customers have a need to connect with their customers in new ways. And when you look at Ford, I think one of the most exciting things about this event reminds me a lot of what Home Depot did with their business. All of a sudden they realized they had a B2C business, you know, for their, the consumer, you know, that's, that's me and my Mach-E. But they had a 
B2B business, you know, they're pro-business. And when they did that, it was a radical acceleration of their revenue because they realized that is where they had a tremendous new marketing uh, opportunity. And this, that's what's happening here with Ford by introducing a, you know, something called Ford Pro, we really have the opportunity to focus on this market segment that's probably the most profitable market segment in the world for this company. And we are just at the beginning of an unbelievable story. And then when you add these comprehensive marketing services, the ability to build a one-on-one -on -one relationship with these professionals, to understand them, to be able to provide them the, the, the products and the services that they need, it becomes a tremendous product line over time. Also, you get tremendous feedback on what are the products that they really want, what are other services that they're doing. Ford CEO Jim Farley and Salesforce co-CEO Mark Benioff earlier this week. Now, that does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology. What an extraordinary week for tech investors and for Wall Street at large. That's why you've got to tune in next to Wall Street Week. Christina Hooper, Urian Timmer on the wild week in the market. Stephanie Flanders analyzes Jay Powell and the Fed's performance this week. And Barbara Ann Bernard on why it might be smart to invest in carbon and ESG. You do not want to miss it because very own Romain Bostic is helming it this week. Hi there, and welcome to episode 69 of The Casual Gamecast, a weekly video game podcast for the everyday gamer, brought to you by your friends at Casual Game Content. I am your sexual passenger this week, Philip Q, and I'm joined by the electric, the rugged outdoorsman that is my ever-present co-host, Shane Boo. Hello, Shane. Hello. And we are joined by the sexual animal that is, of course, the man in the blazer. You can't miss him if you tried. Yes, the sexiest man in the business. It is, of course, Kiran Busby. Hello, my good friend, Kiran. Hello, how are you doing today? We're gonna take it down low. And that's enough creepy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was yes. gone, I was gone yes. from the start. Yes, my friends, we've made it all the way to episode 69. Can you believe it? 69 episodes in the bag. And we are not too proud to do that thing and lean into the fact that it is episode 69. Yes! So, if you have eyes, you've probably seen that the title of the episode is Sex and Video Games, Does It Ever Work? Something to that align anyway. And that's what we're here to talk about this week, ladies and gentlemen. It is... Here's the thing. Okay, lads, here's the thing. So I was thinking this week, all right, what do we do? Okay, it's episode 69. Do we lean into it? Do we not? I kind of thought the classy move might have been to not do it. But then who's classy amongst us? So, uh, you know, what, who, are we, who are we fooling here? The, one of us is wearing a mankini. For, for, for those of us that are on video land watching this with us, one of us is in fact wearing a mankini. As all of the frames in our video seems to be dropping by the moment, I'm, I'm thinking that they're mostly being found inside the bulge of that mankini. But... <laughs> I thought to myself, we 
can't pass up this opportunity to do something sexy. Because, you know, we're not going to do that too often. That's not a topic we're going to touch on too often. So what better time than episode 69? And that didn't mean to rhyme. But here we are. So I thought to myself, what do we do? Do we do sexiest characters in gaming? Which is going to be a bonus question for later. So have a ponder on that as we talk, right? Because I'm going to just quick fire question to you guys before we wrap up. Who do we think the sexiest characters in video games are? But the main topic of the show this week, of course, is sex in video games. Does it ever work? Now, what do we mean by that? And we're going to get back to the serious topics now. OK, so what do we actually mean by that? Now, sex in video games has a has a, a surprisingly long history. Um, it has never really been done very well, sometimes better than others. But, you know, this is our opportunity to kind of say, OK, in the, I don't know, 60 odd years of commercial video games, has it ever been carried off to the point where you went, OK, yeah, yeah, OK, that 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 was done well. OK, yeah, 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 yeah that was tasteful. You know, that was that was acceptable. That was movie level or porno level, whatever you're into <laughs> um, content, you know, like, does it ever work? So this is what we're here to solve. So. As per usual, I'm going to go around the table and ask the initial question and get the initial, you know, temperature from each one of our guests. And this week, as per usual, I'm going to go to the man no longer in the robe, but in the very rugged, very, very sexually rugged regatta jacket. It is, of course, <laughs> the main man, Shane Bow. Shane, sex in video games, does it ever work? I'm going to start with two things. Number one, if regatta's out there listening, would like to sponsor the show or anything, you know, Get them Benjamins. Yeah, get them Benjamins. And uh, two buzz dudes, you're killing me with the sexiness. Like, I mean, from the get-go, I looked over at your screen and I was just like, all these faces you were pulling while Phil was doing the intro. Like, I'm gone. I can't even act sexy. It was just... <laughs> we have to put a content warning on the video of this. If, if you are listening in audio land, do, do check out the video of this one on Co Casual Game Content's YouTube channel because you do not want to miss the smolder of this man. Yes. Um... So anyway, back to does sex in video games work? Um, yeah, I suppose sometimes it, it's a weird one. Like I was thinking about yeah. this today and I was thinking about like any moments that sprung to mind. And then I was thinking about things like, you know, when you say uh, pick up like a hooker in GTA and then you just like it cuts to that angle where you can just see the car go like eh, or whatever. I was like, that kind of works a little bit. You know, it's it's. Um, kind of gives it an implication of sex happening without having to actually be graphic or show anything. Um, and that then I kind of thought, yeah, that works. But then for the most part in video games, when does it ever really, like, when is it actually displayed on screen? Hot coffee? Like, yeah, well, th but this, this is part of the conversation, I guess. Yeah. It's like, what 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 is the uh, threshold by which you judge whether something works or not, you know? Yeah. Like it's, but like, but just, just, you know, off the, off the cuff, without examples, because we can go and get more into depth. Yeah. Like, when I say, the, like, sex in video games, almost does it have a place more so than does it work? Like, do you feel like, to this point, in, in the offerings we've gotten so far, do you feel like sex in video games is kind of something that you would say, yeah, that kind of goes hand in hand with, like, story, with, like, sound, with, you know, set dressing, whatever other elements make up a game. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, yeah. like, sexual encounters is kind of like a justifiable... <laughs> you know, thing in video games just yet? Um, yes. A, a, a kind of trepidatious yes. It's kind of, um, 
you know, it, it, I'll get more into it, but for me, it very much depends on the context. You know, like some very like in-depth story heavy games where maybe it deals with a relationship between two characters or something like that, then maybe yes. But when, when mm. it's something kind of like GTA where it's just put in there for the sake of, you know, picking up a hooker, <laughs> like, you know, and it, we'll get more in-depth into that later, but that's my a trepidatious yes is my, my starting answer. And is there anything sexier than trepidatiousness? Um, Kieran, what about yes. you? Sex in I'm... video games, does it work? Does it not? 100% in the camp that yes it does and for the reason wow, is that's confidence right there <laughs> well I'm very sex positive but uh no <laughs> can I also be sex positive please <laughs> <laughs> I also I, I, I kind of um, substitute that with that like uh, kind of two, two or three different factors one is actually touching on the topic from last week which was like kind of be seen as a traditional form of art or you know a proper term of art and, and, and kind of be seen as a proper type of media whatever yeah. and my kind of look at that is that like every other form of media pretty much has sex all over it as long as it's you know relevant to the story the set and everything as well I mean like obviously you're not going to have it in a kids game like Mario and Peach you aren't going to suddenly I mean like maybe on DeviantArt or something but you're not going to see it like in game <laughs> although who knows yeah mature maybe. Mario could be a good one you know we all <laughs> Mario, Mario. M. <laughs> you know Mario's in his like 50s now like you know maybe it's time maybe it's time <laughs> But I mean, like films throughout the years, like you know, the, there is there is definitely an element of sex and relationship that goes hand in hand, and like to really get that across uh, in in quite a succinct way is, I think, a very good way at kind of establishing it as being a more mature and, and art form. Um, and then, of course, on the other side, it's also kind of cool. But uh, especially seeing as <laughs> like you know, you've got the likes of this game, which I'm going to talk heavily about today, which has just flashed my N7 tattoo uh, for everyone, but yes. Um, <laughs> which is uh, placed right in the midst of a, a shaved uh, peck, pectoral um, just buried I'm trying to paint an, a, a, a picture for the audio listeners, buried just underneath at the finest of black silk shirts, adorned <laughs> under the finest of white suit jackets with a nice little red cravat in the pocket oh ladies and gentlemen if you haven't subscribed to casual game content over on youtube now's your chance my friends uh but sorry kieran you flatter me you flatter me um but yes <laughs> that's, no, why, I, that's I why, say... why we have you man but it's the visuals it's the visuals oh, no, i'm joking sorry i'll shut up now i'll shut up i'm going away bye yeah we actually mute you when you're on the audio version it's just here for the video <laughs> 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 uh, no, no, I would, I would honestly say that there is 100% a place for sex and video games as long as it's done right in the right contexts. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and personally, I think the same. I think um, it goes, it, you, you hit the nail on the head. It, it goes very much hand in hand with last week's conversation, which is, you know, is it a legitimate, you know, form of media? Ergo, it kind of needs to touch on sex at some point because sex is a part of human life it's a part of our existence therefore it needs to be covered in some shape or form um is it done well is another question you know and that's kind of what we can dive into here but i think um i think we can kind of almost put to rest the does it ever need to happen like like i don't think any of us are thinking like okay we know even at this point here none of us are advocating for getting rid of sex and games is that true yeah yeah, yeah. So, so we're all in the same camp there. Okay. Mm -hmm. So so what I propose then is rather than trying to work out why we feel that way, I think that's just a kind of a, a mature way to feel that like we're just not ashamed of, of sex. And like, even though its examples are a bit all over the place, 
it could be done a lot better, uh, I'm sure. But like, rather than to dive into why we came to the obvious conclusion that a part of life should be included in a medium, uh, let's dive in instead into when it has shown itself, when it struck us, oh, there's sex in video games now, and how it was done and whether it was done well or not. Shane, I'm going to start with you because you had the first example, which if you say to anyone on the street, what's the first time you witnessed sex in a video game? I'd say 90% of people are going to say like GTA, GTA oh, probably, 3 specifically. Yeah, yeah I'd be inclined yeah. to agree with you. Like, you know, those like strip clubs and the picking up, a, as I say, picking up a hooker in the car and then the car does that little like rock if this car is rocking don't come we're not going to yeah yeah yeah, yeah. All, and all then, you, then you look into the car and there's nobody moving they're just yeah, like, it's, 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 they're, both sit, they're both sitting in like passengers seat driver seat just yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah which is bizarre they're not even looking at each other it's mm. it's crazy like, and their hands are, are down by their sides so there's not even any hand action going on but like it is it is the first thing that comes to mind for most people including myself you know when yeah. I'm thinking of uh, sex and games yeah, it was one of the first things that came to mind when you, when this topic was mentioned a few days ago. Um, it was like, yeah, that's um, that's the first. My brain automatically went GTA straight away. First thing, without even without even a moment's thought. And then I started thinking about other games. Um, and like a lot of ones that came to mind to me were actually quite story heavy. And any time I've experienced sex in games has been in very narrative driven games. Like for example, I'm thinking of. Which is kind of a nod to a funny thing in the books, but the um, the the stuffed unicorn in Witcher Tree mm-hmm. with uh, with with Yennefer. But like, there is reasons. There is a perfectly valid logical reason for Geralt and yeah Yennefer to get together in the game because that's they have a relationship. They have a romantic relationship throughout the story of The Witcher. So Absolutely. it's there's a place for it. You don't see any, you know, you might maybe see some Geralt ass or something, but like that's about it. And then it cuts to black and, you know, they're up smoking cigarettes under a silk blanket or whatever. Um, Which is exactly how, I kinda, if I can interject and, you know, I, I don't want to, to overtake this, but that's exactly how I want it to be for the foreseeable future. Yes. Is that like, I don't necessarily want to see CG ass and CG, you know, private smashing. No, no. And, God, you know, no. having to see that because I... I I can't think of what the game is called, but I think there was one out there that you they went down that road and it was not pretty. But like yeah. the actual build up to the sex, the the, the dialogue, the, the relationship, the will they, won't they? And then the, the suggestion of sex and then the afterwards when they're having their cigarette conversation or whatever. That's lovely. And that and the Witcher is actually probably my gold standard for like how to handle it if we're 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 just not mature enough in in the medium to do it any better than I think what the Witcher has done so far. If you get me, I'm sure yes. we can do better. Yes, but I, I'm struggling to think of when. Sorry, Karen. I think uh, I cut you off. Yeah, I I think that's kind of like the best way to do it, even in other forms of media too. I mean, like there's kind of rarely that you will see, apart from maybe a bit of rolling about and kissing and stuff, and that's very suggestive as to like, oh, they just made love, oh, or they're just they're about to make love, and the then it kind of fades to black. Wake up, do what you do, and like you know, like my my big example of that is a lot of the Bond films. Like you know, everyone kind of says like they're full of sex, but I mean like they're not really to a certain extent. No. I mean like there's a bit of kissing and cuddling, like, but that's yeah. about it. Sexism um, less sex. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Sex <laughs> <laughs> that that's kind of one thing I wanted to touch on as well. Then is just like there's a difference definitely between like sex in video games and then over sexualization of characters, which yes. you know is a different like uh, I'm thinking kind of Bayonetta there as well, which is very much just like a kind of a an unrealistic um, male gaze kind of um, idea of what what a woman should look like or does look like and, and that. Yeah, like you can probably see the gears in my head turning. 
like I thought about that too, and I had the I had the same initial reaction when it came to Bayonetta in particular. Because to anyone who's not familiar, Bayonetta is essentially, you know, uh, Platinum Games' answer to Devil May Cry, where you play as a witch whose clothes and all of her powers are manifested from her long black hair. And she is very, very vivacious and, you know, buxom and she's flirty and she's not afraid to use it type of a character. But, but the one thing I will say about Bayonetta is she's written well. You know, she's mm. she's not she knows what she is you know and she plays off of that and it's funny in the sense that it's not do you know the way you see characters like this i think i'm thinking of ones like remember the xbox 360 early game bullet witch which was kind of bayonetta with a gun and mm. no personality that oh, was gosh. that was just the same idea executed poorly and it was gross you know mm. and even as a man i could look at that and go that is gross you know but I know many, many women who idolize Bayonetta because she is an empowered woman who, mm. yes, is like over-sexualized, but she is choosing to be over-sexualized in order to have fun with her, her power. You know what I mean? Mm. And it's kind of like, yes, it's a complex narrative. And yes, there's a lot to look into here. But I will say in Bayonetta's defense, because of the execution, it's not as bad. Mm. Interesting, yeah. interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But we can all agree that Peach is definitely the most oversexualized character, like you know, Princess Peach. G. <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 Peach. or Zelda. <laughs> yeah, they, like again, it's like the Bond thing. That's just it's like sexism over sexualization because they're just damsels, you know. Yeah. Like they're apart from well, I suppose Zelda has the whole turning into chic thing, so that's true. Like, she yeah. kind of has her own thing going well, like, on. But Peach, like Peach, has had one game of her own. Yeah. And it's pretty good. <laughs> and, and that has been it. She's just been like, you know, essentially been Save Me Mario for the last 30, 40 years. And the odd time as a player four, you know, it's like, yeah. it's completely yeah. unfair. Yeah. But to Buzz's point, I get what he means about like sexism as well. Like, you know, you have games like Dead or Alive and, you know, like you said, Bullet Witch. And like, I remember years and years ago, back when... Back when video game, like, journalism and, like, conventions and stuff was still kind of the Wild West. And they were, like, showing off a demo for the new Dead or Alive. And they were literally using words like jiggle physics. Yes, I and remember jiggle physics. like, wow, that is not mm -hmm. cool. Like, that is not, like, that is <laughs> yeah. just, you know what I mean? Like, I remember those days, especially, like, the, the Xbox 360 and PS3 yeah. being shown off. Yeah. And they're like, look how many ripples there are on this fighter's breasts as they move. It's like, wow, is that really what we're doing? And people lapped it up. Yeah. I, like, I, I remember those games doing very well for that reason, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah they even spawned a movie franchise, you know? So, they, or, oh, my or God, I forgot. I completely one movie, about that possibly. Franchise. Maybe there's a franchise. Maybe there's one movie. I can't really remember. Um, But there is definitely a movie. Is that a Usain Bowl joint? Oh, it sounds like something that would be, wouldn't it? Oh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> probably. <laughs> oh, anyway, um, <laughs> they had a girl from um, from Tokyo Drift in it. It was one, one of the Fast and Furious uh, ladies. Anyway, um, yeah, I think Dead or Alive was very much the example of how not to do this taste. Yes, exactly. Mm. You know? Exactly. It's like the poster child of it. it. Do you remember like the beach volleyball game? Yeah. Oh, yeah, God, once yeah. again, yeah, yeah, it's 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 it, all it the same like stuff. The loosest excuse for a video game, which was just look at our jiggle physics, the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's ridiculous. Like, and it's that's when it's done wrong. I think when it's done better is when 
um, stuff like which I'm sure Buzz is going to get to is like the kind of options RPGs give you for romancing characters and yes. stuff and Bioware has been very good at that Absolutely. and been very good at romancing whoever you like regardless of sexual orientation or you know male male female 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 male whatever you want to do like you know the option is for you to do which has been quite i'm sure empowering for lots of um different sexual orientated people who play games i'm not i can't speak on behalf of like you know straight people gay people i can't speak on behalf of everyone but i'm sure when you're younger and you're maybe not out to your family or whatever playing a game where it allows you to romance someone of the same sex that you're that's that's your jam or whatever that's a terrible way of phrasing that you know what I mean? i'm uh, yeah. Move on. Stop talking. Sexual libertarian Shane Bowley is yes, yes. Let's have, the, let's have the, 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 the three middle. I don't want to say middle aged, but three like adult white guys talk Quite about. Quite immediately. Like, <laughs> what? what is the game? I know. I'm not. I'm not even middle aged. Young chicken. What I was getting at was let's not have the three. The three like you know adult white guys talk. Three white guys yes. tell people about how to feel about yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what yeah, I'm yeah. getting at here. I'm um, digging, I'm digging no, a giant hole for myself. It's true. It's true. And I think that like we're getting to a point where that cross-pollination of gender options in romance options and games is less see the thing i don't i will 100 throw over to you now because uh buzz you are obviously the biggest bioware fan of the three of us and i think you'll have a better take but the one thing that always kind of made me feel a bit weird about bioware was you could romance everyone and is that nearly worse you know, because at that point, your your people are kind of pastiches of whatever you choose to be. Mm. They're they're not their own people. Like because in the real world, you can't romance anyone. You know, it's it is people have genders and people have preferences and people have you know. But like it was a step in the right direction. But Bo, or not Bo, sorry, Bo's. Please, there's too many bees in this podcast. Bo's, <laughs> please, you know, enlighten of everyone. Yeah. Right, I'm going to go back to the original question first of all because I'm about to go on to Mass Effect now but uh, whenever you <laughs> said like the first kind of like view of sex I was going to initially and that same as Bo's on the first game that came to my head wasn't Grand Theft Auto but was, was Mass Effect and then mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking a bit, a bit more and I was like oh the Metal Gear Solid 3 have a little bit with Eva and Snake and then anyway that was a different side thought it was a little which was, will they won't they yeah. Yeah, yeah but then that was again a good relationship and I, I feel like there was definitely a scene at some point in a cave where the probably oh, there got was, it on. There yeah, was, yeah. where she zips down her, oh, her top that, and then gets off ooh. and straddles him and then it cuts the black yeah, and he's like uh, asleep and she's getting out of there. I remember uh, now, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that made a big impression on like seven-year-old me. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I was super into 70s spy movies at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. James Bond, I was like, whoa, whoa this yeah. is the Bond Look game. at the jacket, what? man. It speaks for itself. Um, <laughs> um, but yes, Mass Effect, I think, was definitely my first kind of real experience of like being able to get that exploration and to see who you can romance and stuff and to counter your point there actually are quite a few whole host of characters you can't uh, mm-hmm. flirtate with and then there is also if you don't agree with them or align with them they also do shut you down so I think it's more so like that there is that many options to to do and then there's also a few different things as well like in the, in the second one or sorry the first one one of the big ones is that um, Liara is kind of like kind of falls head over heels for, for, for Shepard um, but well not really head over heels probably just anyway but um, it, so let's say for me myself I usually in the first game romance Ashley which is the, the kind of the human beginning and she's the kind of meme of a space racist but she does mature throughout the thing thanks to a Paragon <laughs> Shepard um, but yeah there, there is this kind of a spat then where you kind of have to choose between the two and um, 
you know, it's either, it's a, you know, Ashley's like, I thought we were having something going on here, like what's going on? And you have to pick between the two of them, whatever. So there is that kind of limitation of options in one playthrough of who you can and can't romance based on whatever way you're playing the game. Um, then, of course, there are even, um, you know, for, for some characters, complete lockouts. So uh, Caden, for mm-hmm. example, in the third game, he, I believe, is bisexual. Could be wrong in saying that. He's, he's definitely of, of, of a persuasion. I think both. Uh, male and female shepherd can can romance him, but I could be. Yeah, wrong. I think I think female could after the first game. I think in the first game he's strictly a male relationship. If I'm, uh, if I'm think he's that strictly way. straight in the first one. See, I don't think Is any of the LGBTQA um, plus options yeah. came in until the third game. I remember um, there being some controversy about him switching sides. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, which is probably just a lot of you know yeah. on on you know. I'm not going to say anything just in case we upset people. But uh, yes, they, absolutely, they, absolutely. it's it's of course okay to be bisexual and have a preference in the first game and change over to a third one because you've fully realised Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Jesus, yeah, in, case, yeah. in case that came off wrong. No, that's not what I meant at all. Well, I, I just meant more so people got unjustifiably angry yes, about yes. it. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. mean they had any reason for it. Like, yeah, yeah. No, 100% not because I think that's what kind of, at the time people were like, oh, he's, he's like not buying it. Like, he wasn't buying the first one and stuff, which is just like people can change and, oh, and rediscover themselves. <laughs> no worries. Um, but uh, yes, so it's it's really like quite a, an interesting one whenever there is kind of that option. Yes, there is so many options you can pick in any one playthrough, but for me, it's always been Ashley in the first one, then Miranda, and then Miranda again because that's, you know, I found my true love. Sure, um, sure, sure, sure. And I cannot, for the fathom of myself, go with anybody else apparent from Miranda on a, on a playthrough, uh, <laughs> just for whatever reason, you know. Um, no. But yeah, th- th- like I think that their romance is quite good um, in the sense that, like, you know, you're building up this whole time, and you know, she's the the Cerberus, real like empowered female role, um, and then you kind of see that little kind of like, I suppose like. Um, uh, fragility maybe whenever she kind of has doubts about herself and you kind of encourage her not to because even though she was made to be the most perfect human being on earth which I mean like she is uh, I wish I had my mug here but it says currently romancing Miranda Lawson on it um, <laughs> that like even even their sex scene quote unquote uh, does end up kind of like that that same Metal Gear Solid 3 scene where it's just like a little bit of a straddle hugging a cuss, kiss and then that's fade to black and, and you you know you go about your daily business after that um, but yes I would say Mass Effect is definitely one of the the big ones for me of being a good representation of sex and done in a right way or the right way absolutely and I think as you were talking about it it reminded me of a lot of those moments even like and to correct my earlier statements there is that lockout because I do remember in the second game, the character whose name I can never remember, um, the lady with the shaved head and the tattoos. Jack. Trying, yes. Yeah. Um, I remember as male shepherd trying to romance her and being shocked that, that she was just like, you're not my type, you know? Um, I think what I'm more so thinking of is Bethesda RPGs, where it's kind of like, I can create any race of character and I can not only pick a gender, but I can create like, you know, lizard men and stuff. And it's just like, you know, the romance options are just plentiful because they are all available to you. If I remembering maybe Fallout 4 shakes things up a bit, maybe New Vegas does. I'm not 100% sure, but I've ne- I can't remember being turned down for any reason apart from, oh, you blew up, you know, Nuketown or whatever. Yeah. Oh, 
I can't go with you. So, you know, like those arbitrary reasons or whatever it is. <laughs> it's just um, like in rural villages, you know, you, uh, you blew up the cattle shed. Like, I can't go out with you. Your father's <laughs> going to kill me if I go out with you. <laughs> Did you dance with the Bull McCabe? I can't dance with you. Um, absolutely. You're so, from like, a different yeah. parish to me. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be talking down the village. Um, I think, yeah, it's it, in terms of relationships, I think it's never been a better time for gaming. Like, I think... Um, <laughs> I, I I suspect that if we went back to PS2 days or PS3 days even, you know, you're starting to see that type of stuff happen. But like in the PS4 onwards, Mass Effect being that, you know, one outlier, like I think we are starting to see in most games, like, you know, that are where you have a bit of agency you are building up more relationships because what used to irk me before it goes back to the grand theft auto thing of like uh -uh, uh -uh. like sex and video games was always a transactional affair it was yeah. always you know find the person and press x or you know find a person and talk to them for like 30 seconds and then press x and it was just felt like empty and not needed you know and that's kind of why i think in my head the witcher is like my gold standard because like my girlfriend laughs at me every time I replay that game, which is probably four or five at this at this point. Um, because I always try and and never succeed because I refuse to follow a guide to romance everyone to get that last cutscene. It's not I'm not into that type of thing generally, but it's just they put so much care into it in The Witcher that I'm just like I want that cutscene where like he's managed to get them all at some point, and I always fail. But you know the the, the thing is you're you're so invested because you've spent so much time with each of these people and you as a person are generally like you might be going like oh if i get Triss now i'm going to get a trophy and you go in with that mentality but then within like an hour of mission going around with trish you're like oh she's a really cool character i you know i can't wait to I can't wait to go back to town and talk to Triss, you know? It's like, yeah. it's like, oh my God, am I falling for Triss? <laughs> Is this happening right now? Um, do you know, like, and, and that's that's kind of why it's that relationship building that is so hard to find. It's it's in uh, Mass Effect. It's in The Witcher. I'm sure it's in a Dragon Age game. I've never played them. You know, yeah, I, yeah. Sure I, was saying in, I was saying in the green room, I remember in playing Dragon Age Inquisition, and one of the party members you can have is like this, like seven foot tall, like purple tiefling guy with horns and stuff. Oh, and I, remember, I would like, be all over that. I remember like, you know, finishing a mission <laughs> one time and I was like playing as like this little like dwarf bearded, like, you know, dude with an axe or whatever, Gimli style. And he's like, you know, after we killed some dragon or whatever, he's like, so how about me and you, like, you know, going down to the tavern or whatever? I'm paraphrasing, but you know what? I'm like, this, this <laughs> it came out left field for me. You know, I was like, whoa, this, what? You're like big purple dragon man and I'm just this little dwarf guy what's going on here because I've never played like a Bioware kind of game up until that I'm not I've dabbled in Mass Effect but I've never really gone hardcore into Mass Effect I know yeah, I and you went hardcore this time went hardcore this time I, I put a lot of time <laughs> into Dragon Age actually and I do and they do do it too but once again it's Bioware so it's my, my tattoo my tattoo just got like one of those Harry Potter moments where I felt it into scar or whatever it's, like, oh, oh. it's, it's white hot it's, it's yeah. burning through his shirt ladies and gentlemen um, yeah no it's, it's yeah Bioware you, ha you have to give it up to them mm. I do I, I don't know I don't really like run in a lot of you know circles to be able to talk in any definitive way about how people in more marginalised communities feel about Bioware's implementation yeah. From my like white cis perspective, it seems like it's quite diverse. But 
is that the shared narrative? Does anybody here have an idea on that, or should we just like back away from that topic? No, no, I'm not going to speak about yeah. it. I don't understand. <laughs> I, I don't think I have enough statements in either, but I would say that like one of the mm, not un, well underrepresentations maybe of of Mass Effect at present, because hopefully Mass Effect Five will change that. It's kind of the trans community, and there hasn't really been much there. Um, yeah. But who knows? In, in 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 the next one, there might be a bit more representation there. Um, hopefully. There wasn't, there wasn't really an awful lot of trans maybe by the time um, Andromeda came around and I'm not saying there wasn't uh, trans uh, communities of course there was <laughs> but but you know the world rightfully so has opened its eyes more to the trans community in the last you know I'd say 10 years but the last 5 years in particular it has been very much you know we demand to be seen and as rightfully so um, so then I would hope, yes, as you say, Mass Effect 5 comes around, but like, I'm just wondering, would there have been an incentive to do it before the last 10 years? So maybe Andromeda should have had more representation, but like, mm. I think, I think there's been so few games that could do it over the past 10 years, but not to give anybody an excuse or anything, but I'm just trying to think what examples of games apart from Andromeda, could that have been an option, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have a Bluetooth speaker here, ladies and gentlemen, and it, it speaks like a valley girl. It's weird. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I really, really hope that um, that this does get corrected. And, you know, people who deserve to be seen do obviously deserve to be seen. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. 100%. Definitely. However, so, on, on, on the sexy bit, what I would also like to bring up is um, because Grand Theft Auto has been talked about at length now, I suppose, is San Andreas. Because there is sort of like that mm -hmm. multiple girlfriend womanizing kind of aspect to it where you just go to their house, take them out for a wee drive, maybe have a wee shoot about and then go back to the house and do whatever. Yep. Um, but of course, the controversial one from that, which really kind of in the 2000s shone a bit of a light on uh, on gaming and some of the you know other aspects of it that probably shouldn't be there and even though it was just like what a mod in the background that wasn't actually like modded properly or whatever it wasn't included in the game it, hot coffee was was also yeah, you know a huge yeah. thing <laughs> yeah amazingly the controversy that came around hot coffee and the recent re-release of those games had hot coffee still in there <laughs> yeah. <laughs> amazing like but that's that's two examples right there of you know what we were saying earlier where it's like it's always been a kind of a, a transactional Affair, mm -hmm. where it's like pick up lady um, literally meters pop up that's like you know chloe's likeness of you has gone up 10 points or whatever and then you do that rinse and repeat and then the other example of hot coffee being trying to put something into a game that represents the act of sex yes and then kind of going we're not ready for this yet i'm pulling it out but just leaving it there for modders to find um San Andreas is a great example of it. Are we at that point now where we've kind of discussed everything we could really discuss about our own perspectives on this now, but just kind of maybe dive into a couple of examples. So like San Andreas is a good one, but like a couple of like other examples maybe of it. Because like, like I'm always tempted. Has anybody here ever played Custer's Revenge? No. No. Right. Custer's Revenge is hilarious in the sense that it's awful. It's incredibly offensive to everybody. Every demographic that could be represented in Custer's Revenge is offended. Um, but it is probably the first example of sex in video games, full stop. Uh, it's an Atari 2600 game. Oh, and it was a massively, massively offensive thing. But you were essentially a cowboy. You have to get from A to B uh, without getting shot, I believe. And there is an Indian lady tied to a pole 
and your idea is to get to this Indian lady. And when you get there, you fornicate with her. That, wow. that is the reward. That's your Whilst prize. Whilst she's tied to the pole. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Um, That's important. Incredibly offensive. Yes. Incredibly wrong. (laughs) You know. But like, if we're talking sex and games, that's like the that's the like that's the instigation (laughs) point. Yeah. And to go from something that was so base, so offensive, so wrong, and then we're at a point where we're kind of like talking about the nuances of the um, relationship uh, conversations in Mass Effect and The Witcher Three. We've come a long way. Since the Atari 2600, I just want to put that on the record. Is that Custer's Revenge to where we are today? Huge, huge Mm. improvements. Yes. You know? Yes. I was going to bring up as another uh, in poor taste example, um, Leisure Suit Larry. If anyone remembers Mm. Leisure Suit Larry. Never played it, but yes, I do have. And Leisure Suit Larry is... You're cosplaying as him right now. (laughs) You kind of are a little bit, actually. Um, (laughs) Leisure Suit Larry is basically... It's very much of the teenage movie american pie kind of like you know it's just all about how do i have sex with a girl like how gotta do i get some yeah gotta, gotta get, get some. some i am a horny teenager means. and i gotta get some no matter how much it t- one thing i will say while i don't condone the game and it like it's not like it's in really poor taste i have mm. to give the sequel props for the one of the greatest video game titles of all time there's a current sequel on the PS4 right now that you can walk into your local game store and buy called Leisure Suit Larry, Wet Dreams Don't Dry. Oh, <laughs> it is awful. And that is on the shelf, like for anyone to walk in and see. And like, wow. but it's also for the type of game that is, that is a great sequel title. <laughs> that is a pretty inspired titling for an awful yes, game. It's inspired. <laughs> Even though I don't condone the game, it is inspired marketing. I will say that. But yeah, Leisure Suit Larry is another one of those poor examples where, like you said, Phil, it's about having sex by any means necessary because you are the horny teenager who's off to college or whatever and you just, you have to get some with everybody possible, like anything that moves, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Another mm. good example maybe of, of it being in both poor taste and maybe, you know, good taste, it depending on how the player does it, is uh, the Sims series, because mm. you know, yeah. Woo- Woohoo is, is definitely a big, and that actually was probably my first interaction with it being in the game, but just because it was called Woohoo and it was just like mm. wrestle about in the bed yeah. over the covers. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like a Looney Tunes like scuffle, where it was yeah. almost like, you know, yeah. a cloud of dust and just arms and legs coming out. And, uh, you know, that obviously serves a purpose in the game if you want your Sims to, you know, have a baby and and make a new sim um uh but um yeah it's it's a weird one because you can also just be like a big old dirty fella going about <laughs> doing it with half the town and have 200 sim lady yeah. simly babies <laughs> yeah i suppose when there's a kind of the beauty and the downfall of the sims like you said is that it's completely up to you yeah mm-hmm. you know because sims is is a, is a digital dollhouse it is like you know action figures you know do what you want with them and maybe as a kid people had their action figures like they maybe had like a ken doll going around sleeping with all the different variations barbie Ooh. or whatever you know what i mean <laughs> my, my buzz Lightyear and uh, my sister's uh, not brats dolls i can't remember what the way they had a great time now somewhere in tea <laughs> uh, he couldn't pick between the two of them <laughs> we were literally just talking about that the other day me and my partner coming back with our shopping and i don't know how we got onto the topic of like you know, did you ever, you know, look at your Barbies, you know, bits or your action <laughs> man's bits or whatever when you were a kid? And I was kind of like, I never actually had, you know, posable dolls as a kid. It wasn't something I had. I had like trucks and I had like the outdoors and stuff. I had video games, 
you know, but I never had like an action man or something with pants, you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, so it didn't really happen. And she was going to tell me like, oh, like any normal healthy child, like you would look. Yeah. And like my first thought is like, if that is your expectation, you must think that what you see then when it actually happens is the most grotesque thing in the world. Because like, you were expecting this beautiful, shiny, just, you know, flat thing. And all of a sudden there's this like monstrosity flopping in the wind or whatever your preference is, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a it's a straight it's a stark contrast, yes. you know, just, yes. just putting that out there. Um, but yeah, any other like strong examples of sex in video games that might come to our listeners minds um reese one that recently came to memory actually was um we've talked about it quite a bit on the show before the last of us 2 has quite a lot of like You're romance right, yeah. and stuff you have abby and what's his name who i cannot remember for the life of me um you have ellie and what's her name who other <laughs> name who's yeah you know you have stuff yeah. like that although i think like there was a like semi-graphic scene with Abby oh, and the it's guy on super the boat. Graphic. Yeah, on the boat. It that is was kind super of, graphic. I remember the I remember the Ellie and the girl one. Like it was very much like we've talked about. There was a bit of cuddling and kissed, and then it cut to black, and then it f- cuts back to them like smoking yep. a joint in their underwear or whatever, you yep. know. But the other one with Abby was kind of graphic a little bit, and it was a bit like a lot of that game is graphic. You know, that game borders like to, on to use an offensive term. Like the word raw dog comes to mind. Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah. it's it's pretty graphic, like yeah. 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 Uh, consensual, but graphic. Mm. Yeah, that just <laughs> um, that's another one that came to mind recently. But that yeah. that game is graphic in so many levels of indifferent, you know, things. So we'll but yeah, that's another one that came to mind very recently. And mm-hmm. that's a very mm-hmm. story heavy game. Like it, it is the story heaviest game out there, you know and mm-hmm. they do it so what right and so wrong in some respects I'd, I'd say as well then kind of pulling over like this isn't it's 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 not really sex per se but i mean like the, the, <laughs> in terms of romance and like real meaningful connection and relationship which is you know maybe a lead up to sex or like you know what you need anyway for a good Absolutely, yeah. relationship the more interesting part really exactly yeah is a, a great example for me is the life of strain series so like the first one mm. before the storm and then the most recent true colors one which again has quite very very strong uh, lgbtqi plus representation uh, across the board and and to me like they're they're like games that always stick with me as being like that was one of the one games where like i found every decision so difficult and weighted and emotional and then the relationships built up with those characters which those you know choices uh, always kind of impact was just remarkable um so yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. now just to wrap this one up with a bow because we've kind of talked about <laughs> like is oh, well we've kind of walked around and we've talked about this in every aspect to say you know sex and video games is replaced for it yes um is it always handled well no and we have talked about examples however very quickly because i know we're running on and we do need to take a break and then come back for the bonus question is what do we feel if we have any idea and if you don't have any idea there's no need to vamp you can just say no i don't know mm. but what do we feel is needed what what's the step that you know if you could whisper into the ear of bioware or into any video game developer to say this is what you need to do to, to sell sex that step further like what what do we want next you know what will help the medium in this way 
it's a hard question I don't, I don't think I do have an answer for that you know like give, give us yeah. more of what works well so far and um you know i mean like the, the more graphics get kind of better and stuff i mean like you're going to get more facial expression more animation more realistic kind of development of character and stuff and you know you don't need to show anything graphic really so i haven't played life is, or sorry um what's called last of us, last of us part two uh, on the on the wish list to to watch in the playthrough but um yeah i just uh maybe step away from that and take a leaf out of what traditional media is like you know uh film and tv have done sure. and, and and how to do that so just sure. a bit of rolling about a little bit of more passionate you know what you have what have you yeah, yeah and don't I take inspiration see. from any of the other industries yeah i agree like and it's not from a prude perspective i don't have a problem with necessarily you know sex scenes and maybe some games do need to have them in order to have that spectrum so everybody has what they want i guess but like i'm on the same boat as you was is that like there's so much more in the range of like build up that expectation than there is in the actual you know delivery generally even in the last of us which i will applaud for being like well this is how sex sometimes is you know mm-hmm. one one example is really sweet one example is really not but like that is also the real world of sex um so like i applaud them in that sense but like in the other sense I couldn't wait for that scene to be over. It was just yeah. like, okay, stop now. Okay. Gosh, I really okay. watched this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's worth a Google. It's worth a Google. Um, but Shane, what about you? What Do you have any suggestions to all game devs out there? Because we know that they're listening. Yeah. Um, we're going to tell them how to do their job, of course, because we are yeah. qualified to do yes, so. Definitely. Uh, what would you advise that they could? Um, I, I tend to agree with us in that, like, a lot of them are doing it right already you know like the games we've talked about that are doing it right are doing the right thing and more of that would work well and if my only one advice to all the game devs listening all of you the entire gaming industry is for the love of god if you're going to include actual sex in a game do not make it a quick time event oh god (laughs) press f to pay respects press x to get it on (laughs) i was just going to bring it up and i because i only thought of it when we were answering this question and i was going to throw it in at the end oh by the way honorable mention too uh god of war Mm. Yes. Oh, yeah. Remember when Aphrodite? I think it was. Yes, that actually is. <laughs> and a you had the slam is, circle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dear God. Wow. Yeah. God. Yeah. God Award has not aged well in a lot of respects. Really hasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, he re- like he's just he's such a redeemable character in the new one because like he's a caring dad and he genuinely loved his wife and he loved his first wife I, I think but like he loved that last one a lot it seems and you know there's a lot of like redeeming things but like the early god of wars were so misogynistic oh and yeah weird. yeah 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 <laughs> I, I think that's what makes the new god of war work so well though is that we've yes! seen this mature yeah. kratos who's like not doing all around him or whatever like you know that's right yeah. he's grown like yeah. he's literally grown as so, a person <laughs> it's like a weird example where it's like yes if you've made mistakes in the past maybe they wouldn't be seen today as being good like you can you can take that character and mature them and give them that character development that makes them you know it even better and doesn't maybe you know make what has happened in the past any better if you go back and look at that in a singular perspective but just makes that whole story arc and character arc a lot more fuller kratos has grown more in the last 15 years than mario has in 40 <laughs> yeah <it> that way. <laughs> yes gosh yes damn it mario anyway yeah i think that there is no right answer to this i think that art will find a way yeah. Um, I think that there is room for everything. If it's not for you, it doesn't have to be, nor should it be. 
Um, and that's just the way it is. And I think that a lot of the game developers we were talking about there are doing it right. So, you know, applause to them. Uh, but that has been our discussion on the topic of the week being uh, sex in video games. Does it work? Um, what do you think? You at home. Yes, you. I'm speaking to you. Look into the comments down below or wherever you're finding this, wherever you're listening to this, and let us know whether you think it works or pop over to our socials, our Facebook or our Discord. They are down below in the description and let us know there. So very quickly, boys, I do want to. It's a sexy time. It's a sexy cast. You know, when else are we going to get an opportunity to list off what we think are objectively the sexiest characters in games? We don't necessarily have to be sexually attracted to them, but you can look at it character and go oh that's a sexy character you know so i'm going to say we try our best very unprepared to crown the sexiest character after this very commercial break so if you wouldn't mind play that thing hey there if you want to keep up with all things casual game content you can do so in a number of ways the easiest way to do so is to follow us on all of our socials at casual game co not content because you only get 15 characters, but hey, what can you do? At Casual Game Co. That's at C-A-S-U-A-L-G-A-M-E-C-O. Can't be any simpler than that on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And when you're at Facebook, look for the group, the Casual Game Community. It's a good bunch. We're going to love you. Come on by. If you could do us a massive favor, like the podcast, review the podcast, and just tell a friend about the podcast. It goes a long way and you can find all of our content on podcast forms wherever you get your podcasts by searching for casual game cast thanks again for all of your help and all of your support it means the absolute world to us now back to the show and we are back now ladies and gentlemen as promised buzz has gone away and shown us his cup so <laughs> buzz tell us about your cup this is my cup. I like it. Uh, yeah, so for any, uh, for any, for anybody who can't either see that on on the video or for for audio listeners, it is a cup, just a regular mug that says relationship status. There are three boxes, and beside each box, one says single, taken, both are unchecked, and the last one says romancing Miranda Lawson. And my girlfriend got me for that last last my last birthday last year, and uh, yeah, phenomenal. Uh, so my first pick off the bat is Miranda Lawson, amazingly sexy. Hold on, um, hold on, hold on, you're jumping the gun. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is the bonus topic of the show where we are going to ask who is the sexiest video game character known to man. And we are going to do so off the top of our heads by each of us picking three people. We're going to just like, when we think sexy in games, we think of A, B and C. And we are all going to whittle those down to one people each. Then we're going to take each of our champions and pit them together in order to whittle them down to one remaining champion. And they shall be the episode 69 mascot of the Casual Gamecast. Now, back to Buzz, who's going to give us his first option. <laughs> Sorry, I jumped the gun. It's just <laughs> you're Miranda, you're Miranda you know, Miranda's just jumping the gun, man. <laughs> it's, it is. It, it is what it is. You know, there's pills for that, man. It's grand. Yes, Miranda Lawson, number one, all day, every day. If I could give her all three slots, I would. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> you dirty devil. <laughs> I suppose then number two, no surprise, another Mass Effect character. Even though I haven't romanced her yet, is Jack from from Mass Effect as well. Very attractive. Interesting lady. choice. 
And uh, do you know what? For three, it's a tough one. It's it's between Yennefer, even though I haven't played Witcher yet. I've just seen her and been like, I'm definitely going to romance her. <laughs> she looks an awful lot like we're on the two, so it's like, oh. Okay. You yes. have a type. It's emerging. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. don't, don't tell my girlfriend. <laughs> and, uh, and then my third, I'm going to go with Eva from, uh, or Eva, whatever name. I think it was Eva um, from Mass or Metal Gear Solid 3. Am I wrong in saying you had four choices? So there was Miranda, mm -hmm. Jack, mm. Yennefer. Now nah, Yennefer and was Eva. a Yennefer's like a, a like a nice mention, like a little honorable mention. Okay, okay, honorable mention. Okay, yeah. so she doesn't make the list, but she almost made your list. Yeah, but I don't want to rank women either. Like you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, asking you. Excuse you. Before that, before this becomes the narrative, I never said rank women here. Okay, okay? that's true. We that's are talking true, that's about true. sexy <laughs> people. Okay, as long as they're not an animal or a mineral, we're covered. Okay, okay. <laughs> and they can be an animal if that's your thing. I don't care. Um, but but. They, I, is that your list? So we have uh, Miranda, we have uh, Jack, and yes. we have Eva. Yes. Honorable awesome. mentioned the Pikachu if we're allowed to pick uh, animals. Yeah. The one with the heart tail specifically. Yeah. Ooh. Um, <laughs> Shane, what about you? If I had to give you gun to your head, give me three names and video games, <laughs> not necessarily light your fire. It can light your fire, but you can just look at them and go, they're like, they're just unarguably the sexiest people in video games. Who would you say? Yeah, um, Geralt Rivia, of course. That man, I was going to say something similar. Yeah, yeah he, he smolders. Who's a sex appeal? <laughs> uh, Minecraft Steve. Um, wow. No, I'm only messed. That's a joke. That's a pure joke. <laughs> <That> <laughs> I couldn't joke. wait for the explanation. Yeah, no, that's a pure joke. Um, <laughs> a Sadie Adler from Red Dead Redemption. Oh, good oh. choice. Good um, choice. Yeah. And. Just for the pure boyhood, like nostalgia, kind of you know, sexual awakenings that happened. Watch like Chun Li from Street Fighter. Those ties, man. Those yeah. ties don't lie. Yeah. And there mm. you go. There you go. There's three for you now. So Geralt of Rivia. Yeah, that man. Just I don't care whether you're gay, straight, or whatever. Like that man oozes sex appeal. Do you know Absolutely. what? For me, just doesn't doesn't do it for me. Even, <laughs> no. even Henry Cavill is just like, yeah, he's all right. Yeah, I know that's a really unpopular opinion, and everyone's gonna be like, what? <laughs> are, are you blind? Unpopular. <laughs> my like, my, like, my girlfriend is currently like yeah. jumping in the car now to come strangle <laughs> at your house. But that's you know. I can I can hear mine stomping around at the moment. <laughs> like, she's, she's losing. Oh, here, um, my girlfriend's doing the same. She has a, a life size cutout <laughs> at home. <like. laughs> and we have lost probably all of our female demographic, which was a long, which which was higher, if anything. Um, but. Yeah, like it's every to each their own, but I will say this is that uh, I'm part of the Witcher, you know, Facebook group or whatever back before there was a show, and then the show came around. Mm -hmm. And since that show, two years ago or three years ago, came around, it has devolved down to nothing but Henry Cavill pictures, both in Witcher form and not. It is just Henry Cavill <laughs> all day, <laughs> and every day I open up my phone, I'm just bombarded. With Henry Cavill pictures, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not unsubscribing. I'm not saying I'm not with it. I'm not saying I'm not enjoying it. It's, <laughs> it is what it is. But um, but yeah, it, it does seem as if you're you're very much a man on an island when it comes to that appeal. I, I know, I really am. I mean, like, he's not a bad looking guy. It's not like he obviously has sex appeal, but just for me, nah, I wouldn't do it. He's the king of the nerds, though. Mm -hmm. You know, like you True. can't be that big, powerful, and good-looking, and also know stuff about World of Warcraft and building PCs and still be a human being. You know, there's there's just something magical about that man. It anyway, is. um, but specifically, we're talking about Game Geralt here. 
Now, Geralt, uh, Sadie Adler, and mm -hmm. Chun-Li. Yeah. Okay. For me, we talked about her earlier. My number three choice would probably be Bayonetta because I just, that's what she's designed to be. You know, like there's, it's, I don't care whether it's your thing or not. Like it's, she's just unequivocally like sex epitomized in gaming, I feel like, you know, and it's, and it's done in that way that isn't sleazy, as I mentioned, but it, it's borderline. It's it's so close to that, which kind of makes it even sexier. I don't know why. <laughs> Taboo, I think, is the word you're looking for. Taboo, that's, that's it. Yeah, so yeah, 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 that's it. Um, I think that Yennefer of Engerberg is definitely up there. Um, I, she's definitely my romance choice, like every time in The Witcher. That's why I can never make the whole trinity happen, because I'm just like, oh, Yennefer's my girl. What can I do? But the sorry, Triss, sorry, you're lovely. You're lovely, but um, and then of course, number one, I'm struggling between. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out here. I think, right? I think it's it might be Solid Snake. Yeah. Do you know, whenever, whenever I said Eva, and then whenever you said, uh, um, you know, Mr. Witcherman, uh, Garrett, yeah. I was like, Solid Snake is, is quite good. And then I was like, maybe I'll just say Snake and all his clones in general. I mean, like, he was that good looking to clone them how many times? Yeah. That's the thing, you see. Yeah. And like, I, I don't know. It's not, it's not like, and again, I, I am, a, you know, a cis white male, like, you know, there is no problems in any other sexuality when i say this but my own preference is heterosexual so it's not from a very like oh, i want to jump his bones perspective but i'm I, like whenever there is a a, a game like metal gear 3 metal gear 4 um even like some moments in metal gear 5 like when you see whatever incarnation of snake you're dealing with at that time it can be old snake it can be young snake it can be big boss whichever like there is always moments where you're kind of seeing him like you know disarmed or whatever and like his perfectly cut body and all this kind of stuff <laughs> it's just like all the women are swooning or whatever like i don't know there's just something about it i don't know i i, I can i can i can appreciate it from afar you and know that, that voice as well is so i think we should get a clip for that or something yes. for the <laughs> metal gear <laughs> <laughs> it's true actually yeah that, that opening that opening of, of like metal gear solid 3 was like back in 1916 the world was split into two East that was West. actually really good it's true and that and then the snake bliskin uh mullet in in metal gear 2 like what what can you do what can you do Anyway, um, but my that's why I was torn between him and I was actually going to say Geralt as well. But I think that, that game Geralt, his sexiness, the allure of that has been diminished somewhat by Henry Cavill's existence. <laughs> but this is that. So uh, just to recap, uh, it was Bayonetta, uh, Yennefer, and I'm going to have to pick one. I, I suppose it's probably Big Boss. Yeah. from Metal Gear 3 um, or, or Old Snake I like a guy with greys like myself <laughs> anyway um, that reminds so, so just throwing it around so now me and Shane we're gonna just look at you now Buzz and we're gonna say right Shane uh, sorry even Buzz tell me and Shane what your three were again so that we can kind of converse here my tree at number one was Miranda Lawson. Number two, we have Jack, also from Mass Effect, no second name. And in third place, Eva from, from uh, Metal Gear Solid 3. 
Good stuff. Now, Shane, you're not a big Mass Effect guy, so you do do you know who the first two are? Not really, no. Okay. I can Give a Google, Google them. I can... <laughs> yeah. Whilst you're Googling them, the Miranda uh, character is very much like Mass Effect Yennefer in a lot of ways. Um, very tight lycra outfit, a lot of ass, a lot of cleave. Um, but a good heart. A, a, good. A, a rogue with a good heart. Uh, Jack, however, is a no-nonsense kind of punk cyber yeah punk, I guess. i'm literally looking at the picture character. here as we speak i have miranda i have mm -hmm. jack and who was the third oh, the third it one. was eva. eva from um metal gear 3 the oh blonde, sorry yeah uh, sorry the, ter the third eva. one wasn't, wasn't mass effect apologies yeah uh, yeah i have jack and miranda lawson here in front of me i can see both of them mm -hmm. yeah they, you're dead right miranda is very much a yennefer style um uh, Jennifer in space. Yeah, Jennifer, Jennifer in space. In I mean, space, space Jack, Jack space. does look like someone more like you'd expect to see in like cyberpunk or something. Yeah, see, I think yeah, I, 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 this could be a complete rumor, but I actually think that Jack's model was kind of based off of Megan Fox. Really? I, I have a feeling I've either read that somewhere or seen it before. I don't know the source if it holds any truth. And then I kind of saw it whenever Megan Fox kind of shaved her head back in 2012, whatever, or 2013, sure. or whatever, whatever year it was. And uh, I was like, damn, yeah, I kind of see it. But um, mm. yeah, so that's just a little bit of like extra modeling stuff there if you want to yeah. give a perception in your head in real that, life. That, that, might, that might tip the scales. Uh, Shane, I'm going to come out and say it. My, my pick's Eva straight away. Like if I had to, if I had to like objectively say, right, which of those three like she nearly made my number one like yeah, <laughs> yeah, she, yeah she was the, i had to give it to snake though <laughs> well yeah no i'd be inclined to agree with you because um like i said i'm not much of a mass effect guy so i have more of a relationship with eva mm. i suppose mm -hmm. um it's compared to compared yeah to so it's a, it's a relationship thing so from yeah. a sheer from a sheer objective visual sexiness thing what would you say because like even in that i'm more on the eva side yeah actually me too now that like i just i give myself a quick uh google reminder of eva and yeah mm. no me too i'm more on the sorry buzz but you're just you've been out you've been outvoted here just, it's not even a vote it's I not know, even yeah. a vote just yet i like, think this is this is very much like we will vote on yeah, yeah. the <laughs> last one let's say if that works if you can really do that with three things and three people but like you know, it's it is up to you. Who who do you want to put forward first? But like, this is just our chance to kind of come in and give our opinions and what we would think of your of your trees. But like, the the choice for which one of the three you're putting forward is completely up to you. No, no, um, no of course, of but course, the I'd go with the, the the opinion on our side seems to very much be on even. <laughs> I guess it's just it's just an aesthetic thing, but it's also even though Shane has played them, I have. Um, there's just something alluring about Eva, you know what I mean? Uh, she's, she's just got it. She's got there it. Is, yes, baby, she's got it. And she's a badass um, too, you know? She's got that. She is. I, all three of mine, I think, have that little bit of a badass edge to them. Yeah, so. Yeah, but only one of them can do sick tricks with like a 1950s <laughs> motorbike and stuff. Yeah. Um, but Buzz, who are you going to put forward in your top three? I, I will put forward Eva based on, on, on the gentleman's... Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I put now, forward. Now, Very difficult. Don't Very go to four just because just yeah. because we're out here, you know, talking smack. You know, it is it is whomever you think should be there. And you should convince us if you if you feel like it shouldn't be that. 
All right, okay, well then I have to put forward my arms. I have to. <laughs> yeah, stick yeah. by your guns. You got a, you got a fucking mug. Yeah. <laughs> have to, really have to stick through to my guns. I've done for the last eleven years. You know, like there's not much more you can say. Um, That's but, fair. Yeah, I would say like personality wise. I mean, like you know, the the you know heart of gold really under a tough exterior and uh, a beautiful exterior too. Um, great dress sense, a great humor. You know, that dark raven hair. Oh, yes. And um, God, this is cringy, lads. <laughs> Would you like a moment alone with our audience? That mankini's getting very tight. And uh, that Australian accent too, you know. Gosh, that Australian accent. Yeah. Mm, I, I'll give you that. No, she definitely is. If I had to pick a character in Mass Effect, I think, yeah, I would 100% pick Miranda too. She's, she's my type, I guess. <laughs> but like, objectively, I would say as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Okay, so we have Miranda in this corner. Jane, remind us of your tree once more, please. Uh, Geralt Rivia. Game Geralt, mm-hmm. not Henry Cavill Geralt. Mm-hmm. Um, Sadie Adler from mm-hmm. Red Redemption. And Chun Li from Street Fighter. Awesome. Buzz, what do you think, man? Of, of those three, what, what jumps out would you do? Yeah, I'm thinking Geralt. Uh, Chun Li never really did it for me. And uh, City Adder, eh, yeah, maybe, but no. Nah. Mm, yeah. So I think uh, <laughs> Geralt. Geralt for me. Yeah, Sadie's got. Sadie's from Red, Red Dead 2, isn't she? She's like. Yes. The, she becomes the cowboy at the end. Um, yeah, she's like our cow person. Um, she has that kind of rough and tumble you know hard ass appeal i guess yeah but i i agree she doesn't like scream sexuality and i think that's kind of part of her charm mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. she is a strong woman who yeah. doesn't scream sexuality you know which is lovely and it stands to her but yeah i don't know if that of the tree there chun Li's interesting chun Li is interesting like that's that's like another that's like that's like splitting the difference between Sadie Adler and Bayonetta right there where it's just like no she has to be a hard ass she she has to be believable she's not going to show too much skin but we do want to point out those thick ass ties <laughs> and like really really go down that road um chun is interesting but then you've got Geralt of Rivia who I think ticks all the boxes in terms of is conventionally good looking I guess um you spend so much time that gets paid off in the long run, like learning about his character and his appeal and his turn-ons and turn-offs and the unicorn and all that type of stuff. It's lovely. Um, yeah, I think of the tree you picked, Geralt is definitely the epitome of sex if you're putting the three of them into a ring, like, you know? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um, yeah. For what me, for me, like, I'll be honest, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remove Chun-Li straight away because Chun-Li was on my list as more of a boyhood, you know, coming of age. Look at those thighs. Just nothing wrong with that, man. Yeah. Whatever came to your mind is fucking That's natural, it. dude. That's it. <laughs> um, so it is between Sadie and, and Geralt and they're mm-hmm. similar in a lot of ways. They are. They're very rough and tumble. Can look after themselves. Like I feel like if I like you know lived in a cabin with Sadie, she could go and like get me some rabbit for dinner or something by just picking up the rifle and walking out the door. And a strong, a strong woman who can take care of herself, which is sexy in itself. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then well, Geralt is kind of like the male version, really, except he hunts dragons and <laughs> which is totally badass and cool. So I think I'm going to go with Geralt just because I really like fantasy stuff and he like fights dragons and monsters and has a big massive sword. And he's into unicorns. Yes. 
And if you put Geralt into Souls, like, you know, like any of the, any of the Soulsborne games, what would be, would that be like your ultimate, like, fantasy? <laughs> like? Wow, that's a, that's the Venn diagram right there. Yeah. You yeah. got him. You yeah. got him. Geralt working his way down through Anorlando to, to fight Ornstein and Smaug. There has to be a mod out there. There has to be. Probably. Oh, you're probably just yeah. mod him. Like, all the crazy stuff that's happening with God of War on PC at the moment, I'm sure someone could just mod him into... into. Oh, but not even just like a visual mod, but like literally taking the the, the art and the character and the, the movements and everything from The Witcher and putting them into Dark Souls in a way that it would work. Like, it, you've got such a, you know, you've got such a range of moves mm. that don't seem out of place. You know what I mean? Anyway, look, that's another topic for another show. Um... So then we're down to me, I guess. And who did I pick again? Bayonetta. Yeah. Um, Big Boss. Yeah. And I can't remember who I picked for my turn. I think it was Yennefer, was it? It was Yennefer. It was Thank Yennefer. you so much. Yennefer and Vingerberg. That's yeah. who it was. And yeah, so I'm going to throw it to you guys first. What do you think? Um. Well, one of your... Uh, you said... Did you say Geralt? No, you didn't say Geralt, did you? I said I nearly said Geralt. Sorry, but yes. Big Boss topped him. Because I was just about to say that one, one, one of your picks was my top pick. So that would obviously make... But no, you wasn't. Um, yeah, that, Yennefer's, Yennefer's a good show, you know. Um, they really are like video game power couple, Yennefer and Geralt, aren't they? Absolutely, they're, they're, yeah, yeah. They're, like they're like the power Beyond, and grace. Yeah. You know, like, the, like in, Beyond, on Beyonce and Jay-Z or some shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> the Beyonce and Jay-Z of the, of the dragon fighting world, yes. Yeah. And um, what was it, Bayonetta and Boss, Big Boss? Mm-hmm. You know, there's something about man in uniform too. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Do you know when you're in the pause screen yeah. and you're like healing his wounds? Oh and he's got yeah, the bandages on, but he's ripped as shit. You know? <laughs> yeah. There you're taking needles off him, and he's just like, yeah. You know? Yeah, there is something about man in uniform. No, do you know what? I'm going with Jennifer. I'm going with Jennifer for the power couple. I can see it. What about you, Buzz? It's a, it's, a, it's a very tough, tough competition between Big Boss and Yennefer for me. And, um, you know, as we have said before, Miranda's pretty much just Yennefer in space. Um, <laughs> this is true. This so, is true. Fantasy Miranda. I think I'm going to go with Fantasy Miranda. Yeah, Yennefer is my, my <laughs> vote cast there too. Yeah, that sounded like an easy competition there. Yeah, for me, it's, it's tough because... The objective part of me wants to say Big Boss because yeah. it's so subtly played his sexuality throughout, like even Solid Snake and and um, Dead Snake, whatever he's called in the fifth one. You know, like it's never really like front focus of his sexuality is like put out there, but it's just something about him. God damn it. Like, you know, that man in uniform and stoicness and grr, he does it for his country and love of the boss. Um, but at the same time, my heart and my loins ache for Jennifer. So oh, what, can, what can a man do? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But and seriously, I think um, in terms of like sexiest, how much does that weigh? Like, do we weigh whoever we think is genuinely like just front facing sexy higher than somebody who is like smoldering under the surface sexy? You know, like which if you put both on a scale, which one is heaviest? You know, it's hard to it's hard to make that call. Um, I think it's like a razor's edge situation between Big Boss and Yennefer. And I think I'm I think I'm going to go with Yennefer. 
I think I am. I think I'm going to go with Yennefer. But like, I have trepidation. I'll wake up in the middle of the night going, I'm sorry, boss. Cobras. <laughs> you know? ah, um, boss, Cobras. <laughs> hey, boss. Hey, boss. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, sorry, audio listeners. Uh, <laughs> I think um, I think it's going to be Yennefer for me, for sure. Yeah. So this is our top three. Okay. And we, we have to duke it out now for the top. Okay. So this is where, this is where the gloves come off, folks. Okay. So we have Miranda. We have... Yennefer, and we have. Did you say Geralt? Geralt, yeah. Yeah, I went with yes. Geralt in the end. Yeah. Wow, two Witcher characters. Mm. Um, and one that's space Witcher character. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, closing argument. Buzz, tell us why Miranda should be um, the the sexiest, and the way we're going to work this is whomever, including if it's your own, gave the you think gave the best closing argument is who will probably try and cast our votes towards or whatever, you know. Absolutely. Sounds good. Um, yeah, so I think part of it is that, you know, she's obviously um, one of the just sexiest characters ever made. You know, she's she's modeled after an actual actress called Yvonne Stravskarsky, I think is her name. I can't pronounce it properly, but uh, she's oh, wow. a, an Australian actress who was in Handmaid's Tale and uh, Ch- uh, Tink Chuck as well, maybe, or something. Uh, a good few things as well. Like, And, and she's obviously a very attractive woman herself. On, uh, weirdly, I think Miranda's better looking. I don't know what that says with me. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, she's just, you know, everything from the accent to her demeanor, her power, her just uh, yeah i mean like god she's in she's in skin tight latex for every uh, pretty much the entire thing i mean like there's it's 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 just it does things to me man <laughs> i got it i got it all right so that's that's our argument for miranda um jane do you want to go next or should i i'll go i'll go i think i have right. a i have decent closing arguments for Geralt. um Number one, a lot of skin tight leather, <laughs> you know, oh, leather pants. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Oh, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's denying that. Geralt of Rivia is a man who could, you know, he could go out, he could cut the head off a dragon, take that dragon back to town, trade it in for whatever gold bounty was on its head, and then, like, I don't know, throw you down in the hay while still covered in dragon blood, and you'd love every minute of it. <laughs> I can't say you're wrong. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> It's very true. It's very true. And what what stands out about Geralt to you, especially like, um, I don't know. He just kind of oozes manliness, doesn't he? Like you know, he's mm. just like, I am man. I kill monsters for money. I am you know, and he's very like, mm. man. <laughs> that's that's Which all I got. Really. Your world on fire. Hardly so. Yeah, apparently that gets me going. Maybe I need to have a conversation with my fiance. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe you just need to be have a more open relationship. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a whole new world after this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but yeah, so no, it's good argument. Um, I think I think Garrel kind of speaks for himself. Um, much like Yennefer, I think Yennefer kind of speaks for herself in a lot of ways. Um, in her own game, she is portrayed as like the epitome of beauty. You know, like, and that's done through means of magic. You know, it is. She has done that to herself in order to make herself as powerful as humanly possible, both through the power of her magic, but also the power of persuasion from her looks. You know, um, the whole lilac and gooseberries thing. You know, she she walks into a room and the the room falls in love with her. Uh, it's all very done on purpose. You know. And Geralt being the only person who can kind of see through the bullshit after being first swooned by that, 
you know, they're, he's, she's, he's pretty much the only real relationship that's a man that, that she has. And even women fall at her feet and blah, 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 blah. But for me, what, what you know, attracts me there is, you know, from a looks perspective, of course, is there. Um, you know, you were saying the letter, like it's the same thing. There's kind of like the bustiers and, you know, tights and all that type of stuff. Like the, the fashion is on point, let's say. Um, but it's also, it's, it's the power. It's the drive for power. It's the commanding tones. It's she's been alive for something close to like a thousand years. So, you know, she's experienced. Uh, you know, oh there God. is a there is a lot of good reasons here, oh, you know. I'm gonna get fired after this if I can see that. Like <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but hey, yeah, like it's, it, these are things you gotta consider when you think about sex, you know. Um, not whether it's a bad or a good thing. Man, who knows? But yeah, they're they're kind of the reasons why I think that like she edged out uh, my own selections, you know. Yeah, she edged them out. She aged them out, oh. yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that is that. So, right, I guess I'm going to have to ask for personal votes, and then I guess if we if we're just picking our own, is that the best way to do it? Because if we just pick our own things each, how do we settle it? I think yeah. we should not have a vote. We we have to exclude ourselves, and we have to vote for one or the other. Two. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. Good idea. Yeah. yeah. So who are you who are you liking of the other two? Yeah, it's yeah, got to be fantasy Jennifer for me anyway. But you're picking your own thing. Oh, sorry. No, you don't. You're, you're to Fa- the space. Sorry, yeah. sorry, Fan- sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> fantasy Miranda. Yeah, fantasy Jennifer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're going for Jennifer. Okay. Um, Between Miranda and Jennifer, then, oh. Uh, Wait, actually, I'll go first. I'll go first just because I can kind of predict it because you're not a Mass Effect guy. <laughs> the, um, uh, between Miranda and Geralt. I would like to say Miranda because I personally am more attracted to Miranda, but given my preference, but I have to say there's a reason Henry Cavill is oozing the way he does on that character. It's because it's a built in sexuality. Like, I think I think Geralt does have that pull, you know, for yeah. good reason. So I'm going to drop a, a shocker on you here now. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. So based off of me and you, Phil, like, I know I can't vote for my own, but me and you, Phil, we get very, I'm going to say clinical, logical explanations. But B- Buzz felt Longford, it. Yeah. Buzz <laughs> felt it in his soul. Like, I could see that on his face. So I have yeah. to I have to give it to Miranda for his, like, he sold it. He felt it deep down in his heart, you know. She's genetically engineered as well. Like, you know? <laughs> Look, he's still going. He still doesn't stop. <laughs> He gave me the side eye for saying that she was experienced from age, and he's talking about genetically engineering her. <laughs> but um, but no, absolutely no. It's it's completely um, completely fair, especially if we're going off of arguments. You know, you could you could see the twinkle in his eye. You know, we merely thought of characters and implanted our opinions and our clinical cynicisms upon them. This man brought a cup to the argument. Yeah. You know, we, <laughs> what are we going to do about it? Um, I think that's it. So so this is episode number 69 and the crowned queen of episode 69, the sexiest character in video games, according to us three white guys in our <laughs> rooms talking into microphones, <laughs> is Miranda of Mass Effect 2 and also 3? Yes, in 3 as well. Yes, yes. Yeah. 2 and 3, ladies and gentlemen. Ring that thing. Shane, put a picture over here somewhere. And Aaron, if you can play a little voice clip of her, that'll be lovely. <laughs> but anyway, that has been it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much 
for sticking with us for the entirety of this podcast. I will go around and ask everybody what they're doing at the moment. But first of all, if you want to support the podcast, you can do so in a number of ways. Check the description below for our socials. Follow us at Facebook, the Casual Game Community, on our Instagram and Twitter, at Casual Game Co. And, you know, just tell a friend, tell whoever, and we will tell you something very specific to tell about this podcast at the very end. But before I do that, Shane, I'm assuming the best place to find you is here on this podcast. Yep, yep, you'll find me here on this podcast doing the casual game thing. You'll find me on the Facebook uh, casual game community, chatting sometimes, posting memes or whatever, you know, the usual crack, but mainly right here on this podcast. Right here, look, you sick can see me. memes. This is sick, me. Sick right memes. Here. And then some and sick memes. Kieran, my man, where can people find you? Yes, people can find me again here on this podcast uh, weekly uh, for, on Thursdays talking about, you know, who's the sexiest person in the world, which I will constantly bring up as Miranda. It's going to be a recurring topic every every month, you know, every Absolutely. week we talk about it, yeah. Um, but any, any, anything else? Of course, yeah, you can follow me on all my socials. It's at CAO Busby on Twitch, Buzz underscore the BTTV. And of course, um, you can you can, you can can find Legion Arena, uh, which just launched tonight. And that's kind of why I'm dressed up as well. But uh, just get the, the cheeky wee plug in there for the new Twitch channel. Absolutely. Mm. Give, give it a bigger plug by all means. I, I I stopped by to give the support as well, but even I don't know as much as I could know about it. So please, by all means, the floor is yours for a minute or two. Thank you very much. Yeah, so very, very quickly and briefly, Legion Arena is the home of three different brands in Ireland, Legion Esports, Legion Creators and Legion Collegiate. Esports is obviously a, a series of tournaments sponsored by a couple of grand sponsors, which I won't say here, but uh, um, that they really get behind casual esports and, and getting that grassroots up. Some of the pro players in Ireland. Then Collegiate is very much just esports for colleges and Creators then uh, is their affiliated kind of uh, and partnered streamers and creators in Ireland and we're going to be doing a lot with them and uh, yeah do you know what I mean like look if you want to go follow Legion Arena TT or Legion Arena GG on, on Twitch and uh, you'll see what we're up to absolutely wonderful and congratulations on to you and all the team that worked on that it, it seemed to be a massive success so you know well done and always great to see that especially here in Ireland now with that we are going to leave you guys but as per usual we have to recommend somebody that you are going to tell about the podcast. First of all, tell your friends. And this is actually a new request I have for everybody. We've always said, if you can rate the podcast on your podcatcher of choice, generally that's Podcast Addict and Apple Podcasts that allow you to do that. However, Spotify have turned their reviews back on, baby. So if you are listening to this on Spotify, please do pop down, give us five stars, and you can say whatever you want after that. You can, you can damn me to the end of the world, but as long as you give us five stars, I would love you. <laughs> whatever um but with that if you could tell your local it's a sexy podcast so what should we say i was going to tell your local sex worker but maybe that's not kosher <laughs> sex shop me <laughs> ah perfect wherever you get fine wares for sexual <laughs> activities go down and tell the manner of the keep about the casual game cast and maybe put up a little poster in the window and we'll get associated maybe we'll get a branding deal who knows yeah. but couldn't you imagine can you imagine the CGC branded dildos? It's a whole thing. It's oh, going to wow. come. It's, oh, oh, wait. No. Rewind, rewind. Get out of here. Get out of here. Right, folks. That's it. This has been the Casual Gamecast. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay safe. Be careful. And of course, stay casual. Good luck. <laughs>
You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just gotta turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change, like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on, and Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. P please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Socks are the number one most requested item in homeless shelters. Underwear is the second, shirts are third. At Bombas, socks were first, made with comfortable details for everyday wearing. Then underwear and shirts, too. All designed to perfectly fit. At Bombas, every item you purchase means you're donating an essential clothing item to someone in need. One comfortable clothing item for you, one donated to someone in need. Bombas. Comfort for all. Get 20% off your purchase at bombas.com slash comfy. Socks are the number one most requested item at homeless shelters. Underwear second and shirts are third. At Bombas, socks were first, made with comfortable details for everyday wearing. Then underwear and shirts too, all designed to perfectly fit. At Bombas, every item you purchase means you're donating an essential clothing item to someone in need. One comfortable clothing item for you, one donated to someone in need. Bombas, comfort for all. Get 20% off your purchase at bombas.com slash comfy. The Triple B Podcast would like to invite you to come break bread with your brothers. If you like what you're hearing on the show, if you think we missed the mark, or if we got it all wrong, reach out to us on social media. We can be reached on Twitter at triple underscore B underscore pod or search Brothers Breaking Bread Podcast. We are the Brothers Breaking Bread on Facebook and our email is brothersbreakingbreadpod at gmail.com. Further descriptions are in the show notes like follow, friend, do all that good stuff. And please never forget to break bread with your brothers. How y'all doing?
He looked like Justin yeah. Stevens from the back. Ooh. Yeah, he did. He does. Yeah, he does. Uh, it says here, is it? Conf- cotton reference and debate. It doesn't show where it's at, but it seems to be everybody's in the nice suit. It looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. Nah, that's it's, my first time seeing it or hearing it. So yeah, but Bruh, I don't know how that 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 gentleman kept his right. I don't know. Do you know why he stood there and not said anything about that? But could you imagine if, like we was talking about last week, he said that shit to Gary? Right. Oh, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> they said they said Dude, you a good white man. Gary Be a good white man. We use no. that to transition to uh we talk about that's good. Y'all was asking some good questions like how do we defeat this? How does this keep going on? Well Florida's doing their part to bury history. That way all this shit keeps going on. <laughs> uh <laughs> and like this is keeping and so, uh, hold on. I guess I might have my stories here mixed up because it all ties in together. Anyway, well, okay. So anyway, I don't know if y'all heard about the Florida bill where it's being touted as the bill where they say white people, but I guess it's like you can't make anyone feel uncomfortable when talking about these sensitive racial issues. But basically, they're trying to make a bill where you can't talk about anything as far as like CR. "Quote unquote CRT," which we know is not a real, th- not it's not being taught at the high school level. They want niggas to be right. done with civil rights. Talking about civil rights, the history of Florida, which as up until what 1960s, 70, still had some downtowns. Let's keep it real. Uh, for the most part, there was a large part there where more than Georgia, more than uh, the Carolinas, more than Mississippi, more niggas were being lynched there in Florida than a lot of those other southern states. Keep it real. Anyway, Florida School District cancels professor's civil rights lecture over critical race theory concerns. And I wish I had the uh, sound bites from this professor. He is uh, pretty, seems pretty, he was on the Dan uh, Lebertar show talking about this uh, today. And it really was a, a discussion about Civil rights, the history of civil rights in uh, Florida, and a lot of uh, things that just—I mean, shit, I, I don't know, because of course this shit don't get taught in high school, especially when you go to Blue Valley North. They're not talking about a lot of these. No. And for y'all who don't know, Blue Valley North South in Overland Park. Uh, when I went there in 1995, I was the only black male in my high school graduating class. Damn. So they're not talking about <laughs> none of that shit, right? Um, but uh, J. Uh, Michael Butler, history professor at Flagler College in St. Augustine, was scheduled to give a presentation Saturday to uh, Oscola. What was that? Yeah, I'll be fucking up. Uh, county, uh, county school district teachers called the Long Civil Rights Movement, which uh, postulates the civil rights movement uh, preceded and postdated uh, Martin Luther King Jr. by decades. He said he was shocked to learn why the seminar had been canceled through an email Wednesday, but that wasn't, but that he wasn't surprised because educators educators feel increased intimidated over teaching about race we have we, we talked about the Supreme Court we got two edu- well I mean I mean Ruben do educating too but we got two uh, educators here also and on the Dan Lebertar show it made me think about uh, you Joe and Lady Lavender they were talking about like how edu- some educators especially in Florida that, that's, that's where they were coming from had this fear of just teaching about history now, you know, not even the CRT bullshit that we've been been pumping through the airways, but just 
basic history of Florida, basic history of the South, civil rights movement. There are a lot of teachers out there because like, nigga, they, they talking about putting cameras in classrooms and cameras on teachers and, you know what I'm saying, like some real new age Nazi shit, bro. So I, I, what say y'all? If y'all? I know y'all been following this shit. And I know Joe had a, a great sh- T-shirt on. Uh, on his uh, Facebook page. Love it. But anyway, what have y'all? What say y'all? Um, she, you know, Ida and I have been talking, um, sharing, you know, notes as far as uh, lesson plans and that type of thing. Thank you very much, Ida. I plan on, on going through some of that and, and utilizing it. Um, I think I think we're both blessed to be in urban centers. Yep. Mm-hmm. Where um, I think that we're encouraged to go ahead and and and, and tell the truth. Um, we had a we had an episode last year uh, called A La Carte History, and I think that's what we're experiencing here is that um, you've got the right wing that only wants to do the things that they feel like grabbing off the buffet, and they're leaving. You know, other facts like these are this is history. You know, I'm saying the critical race theory. This is history. We're telling the story, and we're telling our part of the story. And we are African Americans or Latino Americans. We are part of America. We are Americans, and this is our story. And it needs to be told just like everybody else's story. And to and to take it out of the frame of reference of what we're going to speak on is to tell history teachers not to teach history. Mm-hmm. And so, go ahead, sir. What I was going to say is the history uh, of America is deeply rooted in racism. Well, racism is a part of the history, and that's the part that white white people, I would say, is the most uncomfortable with. You know, they don't want to deal with the fact that racism is a problem, has been a problem since, you know, the birth of this nation. And will continue to be a problem until you actually sit down and confront the problem and deal with it. And, and to piggyback on that, I don't know. I don't know who said. I'm par- paraphrase, but it's like not just the history of this nation, but the history of just humanity within itself. Right? If you are reading history and you're not uncomfortable, you are reading propaganda. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, hey, I have a question though, like uh, to the educators and and. You said something in that article that you know kind of you know kind of stirred my thoughts. Like we've heard, I've heard all the things about you know not wanting to make people feel uncomfortable in teaching critical race theory, and and not wanting to make people feel bad about you know the past and what has happened in the past. But what, a word you used now was fear, and so for me. I know you guys are in schools and you guys are actually, um, you know, kind of have a better pulse on what the school situation is like with that. What is the fear now? What What is that? Because that's that's a big word to use, like fear, scared, intimidation. What is what is the fear that 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 teaching critical race theory is going to stem? Like, what, I, I, what, what I think I think I think here's what it is. And I, I'm a former high school teacher and former high school uh administrator, assistant principal, um, it's the parents, mm-hmm. right? It's it's topsy-turvy now, right? Um, 
we, we're catering, and my wife teaches eighth grade science. So it's it's the opposite of when we were growing up. Not to sound like an old man yelling on my front yard, but you know, you the the word of the teacher, which is, wasn't always great either, because you know was what mattered. And now you get one pissed off parent who's going to show up at a school board meeting because they don't. Know, and I saw some of it as an administrator, right? When we'd be teaching, um, you know, say, uh, and it wasn't me, but one of my English teachers, right, would be teaching uh, a book like Bless Me Ultima or something like that. You know, it's got a little bit of uh, uh, pre colonial Santeria type stuff in it, you know. Um, and you'd have. Right, evangelical parents that would show up and say, why Why are you even talking about this in my class? You know, well, it's a fiction book, one, right? And and what is the problem with showing the kids that there are different ways of worshiping or that there, or that there is a cultural significance to this kind of, of thing, whatever, right? So I think they were doing a project for like Dia de los Muertos or something like that, right, for that, for the Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and so you had these parents that'd be upset Right, and that's the fear: is that one of these parents is going to show up at the superintendent's door, or at the principal's door, or God help us, use their three minutes at a school board meeting at the front of the meeting, you know, uh, to spout crazy stuff, right? And and what do you do, Joe? Uh, you know, you know this. You know, the the best thing you want, the only thing you want sometimes when you're a teacher is for your administration to back you up. Yep. All right, that's it. Just back me up. I'm, you know, because I was on both sides of that, you know. And, you know, just back me up. The parent comes in, I just need your support. You know what I mean? And now these parents are getting so noisy that administrators are not backing up teachers in the classroom, right? And my wife goes through it all the time. Um and, and, and it's unfortunate and it's a shame, but that's where the fear is, you know? Well, I think it even goes deeper than that, uh, Ruben, because that's the, the fear being presented within the schools, but it goes to the parents at home. And parents at home have this enormous fear that their children are going to be tainted just because they hear these things. These are the same type of parents a lot of times who feel like, I can't have my kids see a gay person on TV because they're going to become gay just by seeing a gay person. And they feel that if my kids hear that some white person in some other time period of history did bad things, they're going to think all white people are bad. Or if they hear that something bad happened in the United States, they're going to think that all of the United States is bad. And so because of that, that's when they go to the school and like do these toddler tantrums uh, at school boards. And the right has been really successful. They've got these buzzwords, right? These keywords. And for like the past ten years, what we've heard is they're indoctrinating they're indoctrinating mm-hmm. your children, right? These liberal universities are indoctrinating your children. These public schools that your tax dollars are paying for are indoctrinating your children into thinking that all white people are bad, right? Mm-hmm. It's like spend forty five minutes in the classroom and you'll see, right? That that's not the case at all, right? These are facts. Uh, and but but you're right. I mean, I think I think that's. That's what it is, is the fear of the power structure, right? It's the mm. same reason why they're complaining that a woman is, all of a sudden, white men who have had 95% of the Supreme Court positions throughout history now are going to feel underrepresented, uh, unrepresented on the Supreme Court. You know what I mean? Mm. It, it, it goes back to the same thing. That's, you're right. That's a deeper fear of, of losing the power balance. 
it. So does that mean that that's you know that um I feel like that means that you're doing that you are going in the right direction. You know what I'm saying? When you start hearing the loudest uh resistance and the and the loudest feedback in a negative way. So, you know, I mean I think that's just a necessary evil, man. You just gotta eventually that has to be pushed through. The issue is that it is moving in the right direction because we are being able to teach accurate history and more fuller parts of history in our classes. But um, because of these parents coming in and because they are having all of these explosions and protests and banning books that don't even need to be banned, um, we're not able to move all the way forward because then those teachers are asked to leave or those principals are asked to leave and superintendents are asked mm -hmm. to leave and teachers are like, told yeah, that they no. can and cannot teach. Yeah. yeah, so like the teachers, as teachers, you got to abide by whatever rules and regulations, you know what I'm saying, that are set there for you. Mm -hmm. um, when I'm saying push through, I'm more, I'm more talking about in a, a, uh, in a cultural and a political way, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? To, um, because it's like, you know, if we weren't, if, if, if we weren't hitting on the source spot, we weren't hitting on the weakness, you know what I'm saying, that they really wouldn't be making, you know, if it was shit that really didn't matter, then they mm. wouldn't be making this big of a fuss, a fuss about it. You know what mm. I'm saying? So this is some shit, you know, mm -hmm. because they have an interest to protect. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's hitting nerves, for sure. Right, right? exactly. It's, it's hitting nerves. It's hitting nerves. And, and that's why representation matters, right? Mm -hmm. it's, uh, we, we go back to that. Look at Look at some of the stuff that the Supreme Court is allowing, you know, just this past week. They're going to strike down, right, uh, admittance policies in North Carolina and at Harvard, mm -hmm. you know, that account for diversity, right? Yeah, and never mind and, and all the legacy applications and events exactly, and that they exactly. allow. Right. But that's right. not being held to standard. And, Once and, again, and that's why black and brown people happens. can't be there. My bad, Ruben. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. When that's I heard that, I got important. mad. <laughs> that's, you know, that is why it's important, too, you know, with what's going on with the Supreme Court situation, man. Because, mm -hmm. as you say, you know, these cases, you know, they eventually may make it up to a Supreme Court uh, for a Supreme Court ruling. You know what I mean? So, especially yeah. with um, what's going on in the school, in the schools as far as what can be what can be taught and what can't be taught, what books, you know, can be read or discussed yeah. and whatnot. You know, so... Yeah, man. I mean, you know, so that's what I'm saying. We just—I think it's—it's it's just a matter. Of, it's not going. Motherfuckers ain't just going to lay down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, there's, there's, oh, go ahead, though. I'm sorry. I was going to say there's a there's an expression out there in the, in the black community that a hit dog will holler. I love mm -hmm. it. Girl, that's one of my favorite yeah. things to say. Right. These yeah, folks, I, yeah. These folks are hollering because mm -hmm. you know, what I'm saying we're striking. We've been striking at the heart. Mm -hmm. uh, of the issues and, and try, again teaching the real history that has been buried for years right. that was not taught at Blue Valley North. No, nope. you know I'm saying in no, no, some no, no, other no, places no, around no, the country. No, no. It's <laughs> time for everybody to hear that history, but now it's all oh, it hurts my feelings. Right. So, mm -hmm. and, so now they hop. And think about how and think about how weak of a fucking uh, argument that is, dog. But how have our feelings felt in all of these years of this country's existence when we've had to learn history, all right. types of minorities, whether it's racial or able-bodied or anything else, because all you ever hear about is, like, able-bodied white men and some women, and that's it. And everything else is, like, slavery. 
That's all you basically learn in school. How does that make black people feel? One of those things, things, I was going to say, one of those things I think, and and Roger kind of alluded to it last week, is is the old guard, right? So they see that they're losing control. And they see that that the old way of thinking and their ship is going down. And so with that, you know, when, and you can relay it back to, you know, situations in life, when people feel like, or a person or someone feels like they're losing control, they go through desperate measures to try to gain that control back. And, and so for me, I kind of feel like that's where we're at with the critical race theory, too, is that they feel like if we don't do something about this immediately and try to change or like Ruben said, you know, indoctrinate a different way of thinking about this rather than the real way of thinking about this, then we're going to actually absolutely lose control. And what we thought we've always had will immediately go away and we will lose all hand. We will lose the entire handle on what we thought we had in, in this country. Because we have a lot of people who are, quote, unquote, waking up uh, Mm -hmm. and understanding that we have been, you know, we've been sheltered and taught bullshit. And and now people's eyes are opening to what the bullshit actually really is. And so I I think another another part of it is that 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 loss of control and that feel of desperation is like we've got to do something now. And this is something we can start at in the schools at a very young age. We can show them that it's okay, you know, um, you know, not to we don't want to make everybody feel bad. We don't want people to feel bad for the sins of your father, but the sins of your father, you're going to have to pay for it. Like that's right. just a part of life. Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to pay for the sins of the father or the sins of the mother, because that's why you are where you are now. Yeah, I mean, I, I put this. I mean, yeah, like, there, there is an inheritance tax, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, and they trying to get rid of that too. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I think about it this way, man. Like before Trump. When Trump first said, when they were on stage with a hundred Republicans going for the nomination, niggas was partying, mm-hmm. motherfuckers was heeing. This should have never happened. And it went from a hundred to fifty to twenty to ten, 20. and that nigga was still there. And motherfuckers mm-hmm. was still like, no way, no way. And here we are. That motherfucker's here. You know what I'm saying? And he's been you know, president. Yeah. And then now here we are post post that. And now these motherfuckers are like, well, what else can we do? And motherfuckers are saying, ain't no way they going to stop us from teaching the history of this country. And here you have a governor, you have a governor of a state supporting and pushing the bill where teachers, and also, we got another, we got another clip here, because we talked about motherfuckers wanting to monitor people. Motherfuckers want, well, that's a special agency to monitor elections, but also the same state, they want to monitor teachers and what they're teaching in classrooms. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, so yeah it's, when we talk about the fear, that's why Ace made me think about it. The fear is, you're talking about asking teachers to give up their livelihood. That's what's mm-hmm. going to come down to if we're not careful. You don't have... Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, Ruben, 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 before you go in... I want to ask you a question. Where's the lawsuit? Where's the lawsuit here? Like, somebody's got to be able to take this thing up through, you know what I'm saying, the federal court system, the appeals court, and and, and say, this this got to this be unconstitutional. It got to be. 
I, I yeah. hope it is. Yeah, I mean, there, you know, there's all kinds of First Amendment implications. Um, you know, as you all know, neither students nor teachers have complete First Amendment freedoms mm-hmm. in a school mm-hmm. building. Uh, right. But, but for sure, this is something that could get challenged if it, if and when it does get implemented. Right. Is there, you, is there a state right involved too? Is there what? Uh, states' rights involved in that too. Would that be an issue? Or could it be an issue? Could, could I think be. It's an impediment. Yeah. I think it's an yeah, impediment. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and you know for sure that I, I don't know how strong teachers unions are. In, teachers unions are in, in Florida. I know we don't have real real powerful unions here in Texas, but you know you can see the teachers unions kind of banding behind this and 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 challenging it. And here's a problem, Joe. And and this is why, you know, it's hard to take it back, but this is why. Supreme Court's pick, Supreme Court picks matter, right? Because mm-hmm. where are you going to end up? <clears throat> Supreme Court, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. everyone in Texas, for example, knows, you know, if you're going to challenge a state policy that's, you know, that that 30 years ago would have been declared facially, on, on its face, constitutionally invalid because of the disparate impact it's having on a minority population, it ain't like that anymore. You're going to bump up against the Fifth Court of Appeals, which is one of the most conservative courts in the country. And if you can get past that, you've got the sixth three supermajority. That's going to be hard. But and, Ruben, as, as you said, the Warren Court, was put in by Eisenhower, a Republican, mm-hmm. a conservative uh, president, and it became one of the most liberal courts ever. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if this doesn't get to the court and the people, re- you know, I don't know. That's what Stevens was talking about, that when you're on that court, you're a judge, and you're a judge of all the people. And if if, you, if this court, if this case <laughs> makes it to the court, if Two of the, you know, maybe a Roberts or, you know, whoever else mm-hmm. look at this thing mm-hmm. and say, you know what, we can't do this because this is a clear violation of said statute, you know, it be that freedom of speech or, you know, whatever it be. Yeah, um, and, you know, you we kind of had a shot for a while. I mean, Roberts has actually turned out to be okay. I think, you know, Chief, Chief Justice Roberts is one of those guys that, just, you know, when he was nominated by Bush, there were some real questions, but he has really taken his role as the chief justice very seriously and, and has sided not always with the the right wing of the court. And then, of course, we had Justice Kennedy, who is a swing vote a lot. Um, now, you know, some of these new folks that have come in, especially Kavanaugh, Barrett, and, and even Clarence Thomas has been there a long time, are so just ideologically unmovable that that is hard to see where that kind of you know togetherness is is going to come from. You know what I mean? Uh, so uh, you know it's it's really kind of on a place to place basis. You know, in um, some of the bluer northern states. This wouldn't ever fly, you know. And of course, down here, you know, <laughs> the governor in Texas saw that shit from Florida and said, "Hold my beer, watch this, right? Talk, talk about, talk about Nazi policies." That motherfucker said, "I want you to go through every school library in the state, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and and find me books that might be offensive, essentially, to white people." Yeah, right? and, and 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 like in bringing this story up and like talking about it. Hey, I, I'm selfish. I got. 
I got when I hear this shit, you can't. I know Josh Howley and all these motherfuckers got they got they binoculars looking down there over <laughs> at motherfucking uh, at Florida. I got two people on the show who I love, who are educators. I got children who are being educated in the state of Missouri, so I know. This shit down there in Florida, and now knowing that your wife's an educator, Ruben, I know mm-hmm. people who I, I I know, like, and love. This shit's going to affect them if this mm-hmm. shit just continues to roll the way it's rolling yep. right now. So yeah, I, I'm I'm very selfish and biased when I talk about this because like I, I know it fucks the people who I care about in my children's livelihood and how they're gonna learn to be educated, man. This it, this shit is crazy. Yep. Yep. So. I mean, we talked about it, you know. Um, let's, 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 let a, let's let a brother who is at the at the the, the heart of the debate. It's an eight minute clip. He gets he he pretty much gets his feelings out in the first minute. This is a uh, representative uh, Raymond Alexander uh, talking down in uh, Florida after this quote unquote white discomfort bill gets passed. Debate was actually offensive. And, you know, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really sick of this stuff, you know? And it takes a lot to even mentally prepare to participate in this type of situation. Um, you know, I woke up uh, this morning early just to attempt to spiritually prepare myself. And so I hear about guilt and feeling a certain type of way. But you can only imagine how I feel just reading the bill. We can talk about subjectivity. We can talk about objectivity. But when it's all said and done, and I'm going to say this as professionally that I can, y'all got to find another way to communicate to your base. Boom. Anyway, we can keep moving. He got his point across. Stop talking to your he, base. Go ahead. Go ahead. The, the I did. The I. You got. You got the fucking uh, white discomfort with the snowflake uh, emoji behind it. Yes, sir. And like when we started talking about, it, I think I think Ada alluded to it. You know that this is going to make some people uncomfortable. What about the fact that we still have uh, plantations on our money? What about like, Monticello is still on the nickel. Yes. Right. Who the fuck, like, we not getting offended by that shit? Right. Like, I, I don't understand. Mount Rushmore is a monument to slave owners? I don't, I don't. <laughs> I mean, nigga. But, but, but you can't, you can't, but like, right now, you're debating in Florida if you can even bring that fucking fact up, bro. Mm-hmm. That's the debate. Exactly. That's where we at, nigga. I, I, I mean, I know you know it, and everybody on the show knows. So we saying it for the for the for the audience. But like, that's where we at. What the fuck? And that was gonna be my next statement, bro. Like what Joe was saying. Like how many people actually even are aware of that fact? Mm-hmm. I don't. Like that, how many people even know that? And that's what's scary, though, right? Like, like, like. I brought it up on this show before. I was the only black male in my nursing class. There was another black female. And I took for granted 
like the education that my, 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 my parents gave me outside the classroom, the topic of the Tuskegee experiment was brought up. I was the only person who knew about it outside, outside of my teacher. And there was another black woman in the fucking classroom. And we're not talking about a class of 10. We're talking about at that, I mean, at that point in time before people started failing, we're talking about a class of 50 nursing students. I was the only motherfucker who knew what the Tuskegee experiment was. Education and teaching about the ugliness of this country is fucking <coughs> essential. It's essential. It makes me upset when I talk to people and they don't know. Like we, we like, like. Oh my God! There's the there's the, there's the Oklahoma, the the Tulsa City the, bombing on the, the, on, on Watchmen. Did that really happen? Yeah, it happened, yeah. motherfucker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The massacre of Black Wall Street. That's what I call it. It didn't. It didn't happen 200 years ago either, nigga. 1929. Oh, but you but you know when Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue, but you don't know when they was dropping bombs on black people in motherfucking Oklahoma? Anyway, I'm let me fucking let me destroy my soapbox so we can keep fucking going on. <sighs> hey, guess what, y'all? Teachers are mad. We talked about this. Uh some two hundred Missouri <laughs> and Kansas superintendents may quit amid COVID turmoil, hostile parents. Thank y'all for the great segue. Yes. <laughs> Superintendent Mark Snow was already thinking about retiring after 30 years as an educator, but his last two years of navigating COVID-19 shutdowns and this should have been in all caps, parental hostility over mass wearing the curriculum left him with no doubt that it was time to go. I'm not going to lie, says Snow, who heads the Grain Valley School District. The hostile environment made it a lot easier to write my letter. I know that motherfucker was just one word, bye. <laughs> 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 but that's crazy. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Like 30, 30 years, all the bullshit he's seen in the last two years is what's broke this man. Yeah. It took two years of uh, took two years of bullshit to break him. And I don't know well, my... it's probably the blatant disregard for like was I know you guys as teachers see it every day. Just the blatant disregard of what you guys have to deal with every day, not just dealing with other people's kids, but dealing with their parents and then dealing with their parents' opinions of what they think a school setting should look like. And then, you know, their their disregard for, you know, the whole mass thing is ridiculous to begin with itself. Like, you know, the, the whole idea that you're infringing, you're infringing upon my rights because I want I want you to help us protect everybody. That shit is crazy. So I mean, just the disregard for what these people do every day and what these educators <laughs> deal with every day. I would imagine he would just, you know, flip them the bird and be like, "Fuck y'all, I'm out of here. I'm done with this shit. Fuck this shit." We we, we found some we found some out. AC all these last two years, we figured out that a lot of people a lot of people think. Public education is a daycare. Not a place where you send your child to learn from a trusted, educated individual. A lot of motherfuckers think these think middle school, elementary, high school is a goddamn daycare. And we, we the last two years, we found that fucking out. Wow. See, that's a track. Don't forget... 
How about say you said trusted? Don't forget credential. My bad, credential. That's yeah. that's a better word. Thank yeah, you, bro. Certified, Creden- nigga. credential, certified, trusted, underpaid. So, and hold on, let's add underpaid, not right. respected. Very underpaid. I mean, we, 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 nigga, a book of words can go to that. Yeah. Well, I bet it opened a lot of these motherfucking parents' eyes when they had to deal with them, deal with this shit themselves. And yep. had to try, you know, it's like, oh, we can't send them nowhere, and they got to sit here, and we actually have to help educate them and help make sure they stay on top of their shit. Yeah, you got to understand that that you're not just paying somebody to babysit your child. You're actually paying somebody because just like us, when we go to work eight, nine, ten hours, however many hours we work per day, you are entrusting these people with the development of your child. Of your child. And, and I don't think a lot of people were able to actually physically see that until they asses had to stay at home and and watch them, you know, try to handle what these educators deal with on a daily basis, five days a week for eight hours a day. You know what I mean? And that's just the eight hours there with the kids. Yep. Right? Exactly. Because I know I know, you know, you think my wife was a lawyer, the way the work goes at home. You know what I mean? Now, I look over, it's 11.30, midnight, she's still working on lesson plans, she's still cutting stuff out, you know, she's still putting her Google Classroom together, I'm like, damn, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, my, I've got, my day's done, and, and her day, you know, after dinner, her there's a whole other shift for her, you know, yep. to prep for the following day. Exactly. That's crazy. That is, that's crazy. See. Yeah, man. Like, like, yeah. That's Salute. That's, that's why. Education. I, yeah, that's why. Whenever we have shows, we talk about education. It's always respect, man, because it's people don't understand. Yo, little Billy, little Bobby, Karen, all them mouth breathing motherfuckers. Matter of fact, put a mask on them, because some of y'all don't make y'all kids brush their teeth, so they, <laughs> the mask is probably helping. Right. Uh, outside of COVID, but yeah, man, mm-hmm. your kids ain't shit. Because yeah. you ain't shit. And here we so, are. The one thing I go ahead. No, go no, ahead, I'm done, dog. But go ahead. So what I was gonna say is the one good thing that COVID has really taught us, uh, especially people who uh, have at least common sense, has taught us how um, how fucked up human the human race is. Um, you know, you have on one end you have people who wants to be safe who wants to follow the rules, who wants to do the, do the right thing to, you know, at least deal with this situation at hand. And then at the other spectrum, you have the people that is ready to get back to normal, to their normal lives and everything like that without following the rules and succumbing to the consequences of, Man, you know. fuck all that. It's a fucking mask. Put it on, bro. We ain't, we ain't asking you to fucking, we ain't asking you to put a 50-pound vest on. We ain't asking you to fucking go out and pick cotton. We ain't asking you to, after you leave your place of employment, to go to another town because this is a goddamn sundown town, nigga. Put a fucking <laughs> mask on, bro. We asking you to put a fucking cloth on. Half you motherfuckers out there eating booty holes and dirty pussy and sucking unclean dicks. You can put a mask on, dog. It's that simple. It's really that goddamn simple. Put a mask on. 
We ain't that. You, you won't get vaccinated. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Shout out to all the unclean dick suckers out yeah. there. Yeah, all the unclean dick suckers. <laughs> shout out to you. You 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 are underappreciated. You know what I'm saying? That's but, really disgusting. Yeah. Somebody almost threw up on the show. But the end of the day uh, is make the world go round. I'm just right. saying, dog. Like we like like. We in a society where we baby a motherfucker so much, dog. It's like the real we think we got to the point where we we went from everybody get vaccinated to just put a cloth over your fucking face. That's all we asking you to do, dog. Yep. Hey, but you know how it works, man. Everybody gets a fucking medal, so you can get a medal. You know <laughs> I mean, what? Can, can you imagine these people around? When they were handing out polio vaccines, man, we still, we would still have polio, dog. Niggas would still be fucked up. <laughs> we would be, we would all be but in them big the ass. Vaccine. We Shit. we all be in them big ass iron lungs right now. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Damn. It does show how selfish. You said ten. You said it shows how you know fucked up the human race is. But just to take it, it a step further, it shows how selfish and uneducated yeah. and uninformed a lot of these motherfuckers are, man. True. Y'all know what, is true. Y'all know what time it is. Thanos is right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, before we move on, though, uh, here is a nursery of coons uh, with a slave master. Uh, say no more. And I still think that's Brian Pumper. I don't care what y'all say. <laughs> no, one, no one has proved, said it's not. Hey, dog. Hey. I, I, you know what? Let's do some what if. Let's imagine if that was Barack Obama at his house with a picture of him shaking hands with Kim Jong-un. They burned his motherfucking planet down. Anyway, fuck him. All right, moving on. Uh, racist text message. Somebody say something? Anyway, racist text messages from uh, the racist who killed Ahmaud uh, Arbery. Um, Arbery, my bad. Uh, I'm, I'm shocked and surprised that they will have racist text messages. Men convicted of murdering Ahmad Arbery are in federal court today to face hate crime charges. Travis McMichael, his... You know what? I knew it wasn't just me. These niggas spelled his name wrong on this motherfucking uh, subtext. <laughs> God damn it. Father Greg and their neighbor, William Roddy Bryan, were sentenced to life in prison last month for the February 2020 killing. Federal prosecutors want to introduce text messages that they say show Brian's hostility toward African Americans. His attorneys want to keep an eye out, saying they are, quote, highly inflammatory and would create some bias amongst jurors. First Coast News is, of course, inside of that courtroom today, and we will keep you up to date on the very latest from Brunswick. But unlike in the state murder cases, cameras are not allowed inside a federal court. Jury will begin in this case. We can't allow the bias that these white men had against this black man to introduce bias into their court hearing. Or I guess their... their yeah, they're sentencing. My bad. Don't do that. I I, I got a question. <laughs> yes, sir. We declared in 2020, I think it was, or towards the end of 2020, that Georgia was the asshole of yeah. America. We did for that we year. Did. We did that, that year. year. Yeah. That year. I think I think Georgia bounced back hard in 20. Came back hard. They bounced back real hard in twenty one. So yes, we in twenty two, but 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 we 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 didn't do any year in awards. 
What was the asshole of America in 2021? Uh, Damn, good question. It might be. I don't, I don't know who the asshole is, but I, 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 I go back to what I was watching a Patton Oswalt comedy show. That motherfucker said Florida is America's dick. <laughs> America's defeat dick. Florida yeah. continues to work hard un, under, underneath the, the veil of, of, of justice. I might uh, say Texas might have done it last year. Texas they had that last year. What was it February? This time, I think it was this week last year. The snowstorm that wasn't really a snowstorm mm. that knocked shit out. You had all the vi- vaccine stuff, the virus Texas stuff last right. year. So you gonna open up wounds? That's that's what y'all yeah. doing. Y'all gonna open up wounds? Yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah. But it happened in 21, man. Um, <laughs> we had our long race theory, and then and then they refused to shovel the fucking snow, and, and, and all right. the power went out. Texas might be it. That's a good. And all call, the Democrats right? left. Where they left the state, trying to hold up yeah. the the vote on the really restrictive voter ID laws. That yeah, would anyway. And then you gerrymandered the motherfucker too. Hold on though. Yeah. Hold on. Hold yeah. on. But Texas we... got but Texas got Joe Rogan though, man, so that makes it all good. Though. No, 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 no. Because oh, oh, wow. wow. I was about I was about to say why. Wow. And Joe Rogan in Florida? He's in Florida. No. Texas, Texas. Austin, Texas. But hold on though. Why not a state? Damn. It's a district. They allowed a bunch of white people to come in, fuck up all they fuck shit, all and leave they... without being arrested. Hmm. You say what now? D.C., the Capitol building, they allow yeah. a bunch of white people yeah. to come in, storm their shit, fuck everything up, and no one got arrested. Right. That's true. Well, they, they got 30 days. So maybe America's the asshole of America. Yeah. I'm just hey, saying. Hey, triple B's coming for you. That might, it might be the black eye, man. I, I, I don't the black eye? The, the black eye? The black eye. They were stomping out, they were stomping out <laughs> the, the Capitol Police the on TV. <laughs> I'm not putting that on DC though. Well, uh, that wasn't the mayor of DC. That wasn't, you know what I'm saying? That was that was That's why I said being an asshole. Yeah. So I don't know, bro. That's, that's asshole. Like that's that is a uh-huh. Like I'm like, if if you say yeah, man, white people come come here sometime, they just break shit and leave. I'm like, I'm not coming to your district, bro. <laughs> <laughs> No, I feel you though. No, te- Texas did. Texas did. They did yeah. show their ass. It was like people dying. They like, we we can't help you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and Ted Cruz went on vacation. And Ted Cruz yeah, tried to go to Cancun. Ted Cruz said, bye. And the only reason why he came back is he got on caught on camera, nigga. Yeah. <laughs> oh nah, shit, that's, that's a good call. Texas bye, his be the daughter. One. Yeah, his daughter don't fuck with him. Snitched on his ass. Uh, this is sad. A uh, family of Pennsylvania black man calls his death a modern day lynching. Peter Bernardo Spencer was only, first of all, right I, there. I, I mean, right there. I don't oh. try to blame the victim, but as I said in the chat group, like when, I, when my wife and I, what? I, I'm saying when my white friends invite me oh, places. No, I'm just reading the caption. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. When my white friend invite me places, I usually ask, where y'all going? And if I feel like I'm going to be the only <laughs> nigga there. I don't. I'm like I got. I, I ain't gonna be a mate. I mean that's gotta Indian. be clue what? number one. You know what I mean? That that's gotta be 
Come on now. Not only is the only black person, he's going camping. Camping. It's like all the things that you don't do as a black person. As <laughs> a black man. Yeah. If, you, if you've seen Deliverance, <laughs> the four major red flags. The four <laughs> major red flags. He was Jamaican, man. And that's he the problem. Nobody, nobody tells that. He said, Mama Clots. They won't kill me. Everything could be iry. I told him, but the four major red flags somebody should tell this nigga about. The four major red flags somebody should tell this nigga about. Is A, it's white people. B, there's gonna be alcohol. C, there's gonna be guns. And D, it's gonna be in the woods. Nigga, that's, th- nigga, that's uh, a cocktail. Well, hold on, hold on. You that's forgot about, you forgot about D. You're gonna be the only nigga there. Yeah, oh, <laughs> nigga, that is literally the first 10 minutes of your worst, of your best horror movie. I'm saying it's deliverance. It's deliverance, bro. It's del- is, no, th- this is the scariest deliverance idea, ever because in, in this Hell version yeah. deliverance, uh, motherfucking uh, Burt Reynolds and everybody try to find yeah. this nigga still trying to get escaped. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be way worse. Even the hillbillies going to be trying to find this nigga. Okay. Shit. So the family of Pittsburgh black man who was fairly shot nine times while on the camera trip a month ago in rural Pennsylvania. In the back. In, in the, the back. In the back. Yeah has uh, voiced frustration with handling of their son's death uh, by authorities and have caused his death to modern-day lynching, according to NBC News. Peter Bernardo Spencer, a 29-year-old black man, was shot multiple times on December 12th at a residence in Rockland Township, Pennsylvania. Spencer was invited on a trip by a former co-worker. Well, if he's dead, I guess he is former. And it was the only black man on the trip. Sorry. He's like the former Delta president? Yeah, my bad. I had to do it. Had to do it. Uh... Yeah, like, like, like this. My bad. This is really this. This shit. This shit is. This, this is like that's, that young boy. That the, the, the young boy they found what was a couple years ago, uh, rolled up in that fucking wrestling mat in in a gym, and said they said he rolled himself up into the mat. This this is what this smells of, bro. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. He rolled himself up while he was dead. Rolled himself up into the wrestling mat. Yeah, so they saying this brother, there was like drugs, multiple firearms, controlled substances, other items were seized on the scene. Autopsy was completed on December 14th. The findings are pending toxicology and laboratory results. I mean, we'll keep an eye on this, but I'm sure they're going to. I'm sure they're going to. The nigga got shot back nine times. Nine times. And none of them motherfuckers know anything about it. No one knows anything. Nobody knows shit. He just failed. Yeah, that's... They said we. Were... Did you see they were? It said right there they were released after consultation with the district attorney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean that's something we learned from the Ahmad Aubrey case, right? Indeed. Right. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is, is is you know that first level district attorney? Those those positions are local as hell, man. I mean you can't ever trust that. Yeah. Mm. Shit, they probably in the same poker game. Same mm-hmm. poker game. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know. We were all sleeping. Then we heard Bummer Clot and we woke up. He was dead. <laughs> all right, man. If a tree if a tree falls in the woods and nobody sees it, did it really fall? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, dog. This is this this shit is yeah. crazy though, dog. Shot nine times in the back. And then as Ruben pointed out, consulted with the DA and everybody went home. Everybody went home safe. Everybody went to the house. To I, I mean, it's time for that. Uh, was that uh, uh, a time to kill a moment where it's just flipped <laughs> around? Now imagine he was white and everybody was black. 
I mean, this sounds like a movie where you like you like take a nigga out in the woods and release him, and that motherfucker becomes well, a game. What if that movie was it? Was it Trespass? Yeah, that's a movie. Yeah, Trespass. That Trespass. Out of game. My bad. Out of game. Yeah. 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 They they captured that nigga and let him go free, and it was basically a bunch of white men chasing him down for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <coughs> well, I mean, at least they're not buying them hamburgers anymore. You know what I mean? They bought Dylan Roof some have some some Burger King. So. Oh my God. I hate um, it here. I mean, at least they're not taking him out to dinner anymore. Shit. Hey, hey, you pieces of shit in Florida. This is the reason why we gotta talk about lynching and race because this shit's still happening. Yeah, that was that was Florida. No, this ain't Florida. This is Pennsylvania. But I'm saying I'm 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 shitting it down to Florida, saying this is the reason why these talks must happen. How about second Florida out to a head start in uh in 2022, man? I hate everybody. Big head start. You know who's out to a bigger head start? Houston. (laughs) Well played. What a play transition. I couldn't, I couldn't help it. Uh, since January 23, additional murders have taken place in Houston. According to, uh, to HPD, there have been 41 home. God damn, 40, 41 homicides through the morning of January 25th? Y'all no, nigga, it's, up to, it's up to 46 now, sir. Oh. Wow. Y'all putting in work. <laughs> Y'all God. niggas need to take it back. One more days. So that's like. <clears throat> Still got four more days. That doesn't even make any sense, bro. That's that fucking inflation. <laughs> <laughs> the price of wood. <laughs> they, got, they got inflation murder numbers. <laughs> it's really only ten, but because of inflation, they had to adjust yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Murders don't get you as much as they used to. You know what I mean? Oh my god! Don't buy this, you as much as they used to. This man. Oh hey, God. you know when you laughing that niggas get shot in the parking lot of the Shell Station? That's what Houston is, bro. Yeah, that's what we do. That's what we do. By here. the way, uh, that's what we do since, here. Since we're talking about Houston, shout out to Harris County Judge uh, Lena Santos. Look her up. Right, right, right. For sure. He's a cutie man. Oh, shout out! Shout out! Represented. I love it. I love it. Can she go on the court? Can she go on the court? Uh. It, in Texas, we call them constitutional county judges. So she's she's like the the head of the county, basically. Okay. I'm, and they I'm do. Trying, I'm, they do. I'm trying to get Joe lawyer. Biden to recognize her and get that nomination, man. Joe? I don't know. I don't know if she's a lawyer or not. Oh. oh okay. My bad. My bad. My bad. Hey, you know what? Fuck it. Since so we just shouting out people, shout out to uh, Sylvia Winston, uh, Duke Law School graduate. Uh, put her on the bench. There we go. Shout <laughs> <laughs> out. Oh shit! Oh my god, this is all bad. Uh, Georgia pastor wife arrested after eight found locked in basement. God damn! What's the date on this? Georgia. January twenty seventh. Okay. You cannot outdo us. Uh, a Georgia pastor and wife were arrested and charged. The police found eight people locked in the basement of their home, according to NBC News. Uh, Curtis Bankston and his wife Sophia Sim Bankston were charged with false imprisonment. Uh, the police learned the people in the basement had mental and physical disabilities and were essentially imprisoned against their will, which created an extreme hazard as the individuals could not exist, could not, uh, could not exist. Oh, exit the residence. No, so they spelled that all wrong. Exit the residence if they were, if there was an emergency. So basically they were like, ah, oh, yeah, it's bad that y'all had people who were disabled in the basement, but because they couldn't leave on their own free will, 
That's the reason why we got to arrest you, not because you kept them as slaves. Police called out the couple's abuse of power as, as originally if, if both frightening and disgusting to see the degree to which the individuals had been taken advantage of by, the, by people who were in the position of trust, police said in a statement. Yeah, this is all bad. You shouldn't be locking people in your basement. Amen. Uh, I think this is uh, from 10's Neck of the Woods, Hollywood Shootout Injuries. Holly Grove shootout injures bystanders near soccer field where children were playing. Come on, y'all. We got to do better. Let the babies play soccer. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the babies, uh, they're out, you know, you know, just typical day, soccer soccer practice and everything like that, and all of a sudden there's a shootout. Uh, Did they say why? Do you, do you not, know why? They didn't, say, they didn't say exactly why. Not there's a good reason. Yeah. There's never a good reason for a shootout, but anyway, um, I, mean, I mean, it might be a good reason. They need you back home, Lil Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a, a reports of um, a one car. One car was struck with uh, more than sixty bullets. Yeah, they said sixty shots were fired, and yeah. that more than hundred little girls in nearby practicing soccer. Man, so that's bad, man. Come on, let's do better, y'all. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Send in the asteroid, please. Yeah. Uh, here's some video of this is Clayton Looney, a professor. Wow, a professor at University of Montana, calling his biracial daughter the N word. I love you, Daddy. Little nigga, huh? <laughs> um. <sighs> Once again, Florida. This is well, why. Got caught on, on a ring doorbell. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> little nigga. Nigga, nigga. <sighs> uh, uh, ain't safe nowhere no more. Uh, hey, speaking of not safe, hold on, y'all. <laughs> if you ever come to Kansas City. And you in a truck that is higher than, was it what is it, ten feet? Eleven feet? Twelve feet. Twelve feet. Twelve foot bridge. It's the independent it's the bridge on Independence Avenue. Independence it's Avenue. It's right by where I go it's right where I go shopping for groceries, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Do and, uh, not test the bridge. It's unfucking defeated. No, no, we, we yeah. You you can go there. You can go there. If you got a, if you got a CDL. Ah. If you want, if you want to keep that CDL, do not go down Independence Avenue. No, at all. Let's, not in that portion of it. Hold on, let me, let me wind this back here. God damn it! Hold on. Ah, no, no. Wind this back. As you see, there's a truck coming. Uh, I wasn't ready when I saw the video. Uh, this nigga <laughs> lost for real, for real. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Undefeated. I don't. Heavyweight champion of the world. That bridge, that bridge has its own Facebook page and Twitter account. <laughs> Check it out, Independence Avenue Bridge. Oh shit! Hey dog, nah, I I don't know why they no. do it. Oh, uh, they, they 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 ain't got what's that? Uh, Waze or why the little driving app? They should all truckers should have that app. Waze. Let them know, do not come down this road, my nigga. 
No. Yeah, there's a there's a former coworker I have that every she used to work at the school that's right around the corner from there. Uh huh. And so every time every time uh, the bridge's account, you know, what I'm saying, posts something about another uh, another car, you know, another can getting opened up. Um, <laughs> you know, we kind of <laughs> we kind of passed that shit back and forth, and she. So I sent her this one. I said, Oh man, you've been liking the little pictures of the aftermath. You're gonna love this because that shit was the live action. <laughs> live action, dog. I wasn't she was ready. Like, that motherfucker was just undeterred. I'm going underneath this bridge. <laughs> Hey dog, is the is the is that is that bridge built of vibranium? It might be. <laughs> Cause everybody hit that bitch. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of getting hit, if you get hit in the parking lot, here's what you do. Bro, these niggas hit me in the parking lot, bro. We about to be paid. Play that, bro. Play that. You already know the vibes. Bro, what the f? You lying. No, no, no. Y'all hit me. Y'all hit me. Y'all hit. <laughs> what are you doing in the front seat? Oh, my. Why you hit them, bro? Not you again. No, bro. They hit me. They hit me. Bro, look, he crying because they know he did it. Are you serious? <laughs> bro, these niggas hit me. Uh, <laughs> the law offices of Ruben Call them if you find yourselves In such a predicament <laughs> Hey that baby I wasn't ready for the baby in the front seat nigga. I almost, I almost lost it <laughs> That's in Brooklyn <laughs> Now what, what took me out Is how this nigga was uh, at the end uh, talking to him, standing. All of a sudden, and all of a sudden, he was hit, and his shoe was off. <laughs> his shoe was like the, the the shoe that was off was like where he was standing at originally. That's what fucked me up too. <laughs> and I and I think, old boy in the first car in the back seat, he was in the baby seat, and the baby was in the front seat. Nigga, that's, <laughs> it's so much. Um, it was funny. Uh, we, oh, as y'all can see, we definitely into the fuckery of the show. Hey, so do y'all do y'all watch these uh like like slapping events? Oh shit! Slap offs? Yeah, I seen a, I seen one in. Uh, I see him every now and again. Yeah. Okay, so understand this: these men and there are women that do it too, but I think it's mostly men on this next video. Yeah, no, you can't slap me like this and I not fight you. Like, we gonna have to fight, nigga, because there, there are some people where you can see the sweat coming off their body. Hey, man, hey, man, you gotta, you gotta have a train neck for this, though. You, just you got, what's that word? You gotta have a, you gotta have a sturdy constitution. What is it? That? That's the word? You gotta... <laughs> Let's go live to the scene, Chuck. Question. 
So the second, the second nigga was the most vicious one. Yes. I know you haven't done it in a while. <laughs> nigga, is that a block or talk? <laughs> that's a no call, dog. We gonna call no call. Yeah, that's a no call. Ball. Yeah, we gonna take that shit. Well, my question is, like the like the the second little white dude with the tattoos on his face. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah now, yeah. what is the weight class requirement? Because it's obvious <laughs> that nigga was fighting way above his weight class, bro. <laughs> that is a block. He got the That is a block. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, shit. Yeah. I lost y'all. Oh, there we go. Oh, shit. Hold on. One. Yeah. Okay, that's... Oh, I fucked up the, the order. We'll talk about that later, though. Yeah, um... What? Oh shit! Turn this volume up too. I like. I brought this to the group. I thought it was cute. Spider Verse. Two different black Spider Men. What would happen? Nah, wait, wait, so, wait, so you're saying in this right. universe, Spider Man? You're black? white. Hold on. So, so let me get this straight. Do, do you still know an Iron Man? You, you mean the tungsten gentleman? What about Doctor Strange? You're talking about Mr. Weird. Do you have an Aunt May? We got Mima June, the Green Goblin, and the Turquoise Troll. Are you, are you still talking about Mary Jane? Her name's Happy Death. You know Captain America? You mean Lieutenant Germany? The Winter Soldier? The Summer Marine? Black Panther? We got the White Puma. What about those mono spider <laughs> Not now. So you're telling me you ain't got the Guardians of the Galaxy? Nah, we got the Supervisors of the Solar System. <laughs> what about Ant-Man? Termite Buddy. Thanos? Kratos. Do you even have the Avengers? We got the Retaliators. Oh, no, I had enough. Why Spike Lee? Why? His name is Stanley. His name is... Why, Spike Lee? Why? His name is Stanley. Stanley. I don't know why. We have the retaliators. Hey, dog, the retaliators <laughs> and the supervisors of the solar system, nigga. why, Spike Lee? Hey, the supervisors of the solar system. I was at work howling, nigga. Oh, uh, shit. You know what? I, you know what? I did this last on purpose because I knew we have a friend here that... Uh... Yeah. Doom, 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 doom. Oh, hold on. Let me, let me rewind. Boom, 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 boom. Hey, Ten, you ready? No. <laughs> I feel like this might be a blocker charge. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready on Tuesday night when I found out. Hey. Hey, 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 hey. It's your old friend here, KC Stork. He ain't dead, y'all, but he gone. Saints head coach Peyton stepping away from football. <laughs> he said, fuck the Saints. He said, Pretty I can't much. win. I got a fucking, no. I got a fucking 6'8", 290-pound quarterback that can't complete a pass. <laughs> Jameis, crab legs, Winston ain't got no legs. <laughs> how the fuck? Got, he, tore his ACL. he tore. How the fuck am I supposed to win the Super Bowl, nigga? I got a defense that can't defend. <sighs> you know what? I'm gonna take a year off and come back and be a cowboy. <laughs> anyway, yeah. What say? How, how you feeling, Ten? I feel. Uh, I feel. You know, confident. Feel confident. confident about what? Confident, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> confident about? I feel uh. In, in successive years, you've lost the two most important people in the franchise history. Dose. Yeah. Maybe he just feels confident that the coach is actually really leaving. Because I think that's the only thing to be confident. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much. Oh, it. he done. You know? He done done. 
Yeah, mm. done, done. And when they said done, done, I was like, done, done. I'm like, oh, well. Yeah, my new team will be the Chiefs. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll be jumping on that bandwagon pretty no, ain't, ain't, ain't no more room. Ain't no more room, nigga. We didn't already kick the niggas off who were actually Chiefs fans who said that they weren't going to make it. We didn't already kick them niggas off. You can't come. I, I never, I never, one thing, that's the one thing I have never said. I never said the Chiefs wasn't going to make it. I just wasn't rooting for them. Hey, speaking of what? Nah, what's the difference? Chiefs <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Chiefs and, and blocker charge. Thirteen seconds without a blocker charge. All right. By the way, that's all kinds of. I don't know. I, I guess that was a charge. <laughs> nah, nigga, that was full bone block. They was in the way. <laughs> I, I, I will say though. Hey, hey, when they made that touchdown, all I saw was okay. Bills, Bills gonna win the game or whatever, cause they all celebrating, hoo hoo and ha ha and everything, and and then they, they shifted over there to Mahomes and everything, and I'm like, Mahomes is like peeking that clock, saying, "Watch this." Kels in them. <laughs> hey, all I know about the same. I mean, yes, yes, Sean Payton did some things, but all I know is about y'all as far as recent history is, uh. Y'all were the victims of the most egregious non-call that led to <laughs> so much bu- so much bullshit of just niggas be able to review calls that referees still were not going to overturn. No. <laughs> yeah, that pass that, that, that no no that no that uh pass interference no call. Shh. Yeah, that was pretty bad. That's, the, That's pretty bad. But I mean, hey, best of luck to Shine. I mean, he did I mean he did give that city something to root for and cheer for, especially with all the bullshit that y'all had to go through outside of football. So yeah, and we had a, and we had a Super Bowl out of it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, great and coach. So. Great coach. I know people, you know, debating why this, why that, and as the joke that uh, Joe said in the pregame, they said sixteen years, but he it's only fifteen because that nigga had to sit down. And Kevin James is playing him in the movie, so yeah, he's, yeah, he's got that going for him. I, I saw that. I was like, what you talking about? Hold on, what? Okay. Yeah, there's a movie coming out with oh, Kevin James. It's already out. It's on, it's on Netflix now. Oh, okay. okay. Yep. So they they're basically taking some liberties. You know, that year he took off. I think he did coach like a little league or middle school football yeah. team or some shit. Oh yeah. So they, they're taking some liberties of that, and they made a movie out of it, uh, Zeb. Really? Yeah. Oh, about his life? Okay. No worries. Shit, that's yep. funny. I don't that's know. If new to me. I don't know if it's gonna be good, but I like old Sounds boy. Horrible. Yeah, I like old boy. So I might. I like Kevin James. Yeah. Yeah, I might watch in the background while I do other shit and I pay attention to it. So they made the right. mall cop the Saints coach. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. You you, you 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 said it perfectly. Yes. The, yes. the king of queens. King of queens. Yes. The king of queens. Yes. Yes. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> uh, I thought. So you gonna be okay, Tim? Oh, now I forgot about this nigga. Uh, now he should have been moved up. Uh, I don't want to close out on this, but fuck it, he's here. Arkansas man charged with murder for allegedly punching girlfriend's one-year-old in the chest and lacerating baby's heart. 
kill him. Nigga, you took the air out of my fucking balloon, bro. What are you Damn, doing? Man. Hey. My bad. Hold on. Hopefully in jail they be doing. <laughs> Damn, did you play lonely man? They, no, he need to be dead. Yeah. Nah, they need yeah. that nigga to scar they need to put that nigga uh in prison and get that nigga a scarlet letter that tells exactly what the fuck he did and put his ass in gym pop and see what happened. I didn't even know the oh. Amish got down like that. <laughs> this one, unless you go to the show notes, that joke will be lost. On you. <laughs> I didn't know. My bad. Uh, yeah, J- Jared Lee Ball. He, you need to get your ass kicked, bro. How about they just yeah. put that motherfucker in behind a horse and let that motherfucker kick him in his chest? Or they can just oh, put him. Yeah, yeah. They can just put him behind my yeah, car yeah. when I back out of my driveway in the morning, and I would do the state <laughs> some justice and go about my business and go to work like that never happened. Yeah, save Arkansas some money. Yep, Arkansas. Ooh, hmm. Leading, trying to get, trying to get into the 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 race early. But anyway, fuck him. All right, man. Tab's been tabulated. Anything to add? Mm-mm-mm. No, I'm good. Uh, can, can, Congratulations, Texas, for your victory for 2021. Congratulations. <laughs> you hey, and then uh, congratulations to Houston for being, you know, the murder capital of the world. Holy shit. And for having the cutest county judge in the state. Oh, shit. Oh, what? Wow. I didn't even see that. Everybody's going to be looking her up after the show. I know they are. Do it. Lena, Lena Santos, I think. Is that her name? Let's see. Lena's. He's on TV every day. No, bro. I'm sorry. Lena, Lena Hidalgo. H I D A L G O. Lena Hidalgo. Oh my God. I, I, wow. All these murders. She's on TV every day, brother. Bruh, uh, they be listening. I brought up a boy that got rolled up in that mat, and there he is right there. Sheriff finds no fire. Wow. Let's get out of here. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. I hate, I hate this planet. Thanos, where are you at? All right, so no one else has anything to say. We've done our part. There's fuckery. Oh. Huh? Someone oh, said, no, oh. go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. What are you saying? saying? Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fuck, for, for right now, fuck Florida. They in the lead. <laughs> fuck you, Texas. Everybody except Ruben and his family. There you go. And AC. 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 All the people that we know and like, except for y'all, fuck Texas, fuck Florida. There we go. Nothing else to say. Everybody good. We here. Time to get out this motherfucker. Reuben, 10 meters, Zeb the Soldier, Slim AC, Lady Lavender, half of the Brothers of Doom, Joe Jeff. I'm the KC Stork. Brothers Breaking Bread, Triple B. Never, ever, 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 ever. Just a moment to break bread with your brothers. We out. Break bread with your brothers whenever possible.
too much sweet potato pie and macaroni and cheese this Christmas? Somebody wash these pans in hot water. They don't fit anymore. Diet and exercise can do only so much. Thank goodness AtlantaLipoSuction.com to get rid of the rest. Love handles, muffin top, or just tired of calling yourself big boned? AtlantaLipoSuction.com can help. Get back your sexy and the confidence that goes with it. Procedures start at just $199 per month. AtlantaLipoSuction.com. Schedule your consultation. AtlantaLipoSuction.com. 